Hi, kids. Space Ghost here. And you are barking a happy tune on Cinema Beef Podcast. You know, the best thing about these guys is the two of them both have hyperhidrosis and you just can't hold on to them. They're always slipping right out of your grasp. Thank you, boys, for all you do for podcasts. Space Ghost, out! folks and welcome to another episode of the Cinder Beef Podcast. Uh, with me, as usual, is the lovely Jamie Sammons. How are you? Hello, I'm doing pretty okay. That's good. That, that's, a, that's good. I like adequate. Adequate's a good word for me. Like, how you doing? Adequate. <laughs> not good, not bad, but it's somewhere in between. I had a customer tell me today, I said, how are you doing? And he said, near perfect. Yeah, Except I lie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I like this guy. I like this guy a lot, actually. I don't know. I don't know this guy, but I like this. Oh, guy. this guy is great. <laughs> he's in his seventies, and he's awesome. He's a he comes in every day. This is like a guy who gives no fucks. He, it's correct. <laughs> and uh, X is not with us. He's too busy uh, making, as as he calls himself, being the casserole machine, cooking food for his family because they're in town for the lovely Rhiannon's. Uh, birthday she's had a birthday she's turned 21 but no she's getting married on thursday as this is monday as we're recording this so it'll be out after her wedding so congratulations re and brady on your wedding yes nuptials. congratulations i hope everything went off with a hitch oh i see what you did there i see what you did there <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff but with us i'm here all week you're here all or at week least for the next couple of hours I don't. I don't have her chained to the basement, guys. I don't know how creepy it sounds, but you know, she's not. She's not here as 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 in the physical sense, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> with us is the more than adequate Brian M. Sammons. How you doing, sir? I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. Okay. <laughs> How's it going, man? Good, good, good. How's things with you? That's, it's going going fine. I uh, took one of those half hour naps. It took a little too long, but I'm. I'm, I'm getting that second wind going from a long Monday Monday work day. I know I'm officially getting old now because uh, I've discovered I really enjoy naps. Oh, I enjoyed naps in my 20s, but usually was alcohol-induced the, the more the naps were enjoyed. Nah, I never was. I, I always had a love-hate re- relationship with sleep. But anymore, give me an excuse and give me an hour or two to crash out on the couch. I'm going to take it. <laughs> yeah, you work you very hard, man. Uh uh, praising and uh, releasing Cthulhu on all of us. So, <laughs> well, somebody's got to do it. Yes, indeed. But Brian, I'll ask you first. I'm sure you've been watching the same exact stuff, so this is probably going to be a really loaded question. 
But what have you guys been watching lately? Ah, uh, hell, hell. Um, well, we've been watching the newest incarnation of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Nice, um, nice. I, I was a big fan of that during its original run, both on Comedy Central and when, and when it made the jump to sci-fi. Um, I like both Joel and Mike, and I was really upset when they killed it off. I was thrilled when they announced it was coming back, but a little uh, worried because a whole new crew. But so far, uh, they've been killing it. I've really been enjoying it. We're about maybe halfway done with the new season. But uh, it's uh, so far more laughs than not, so that's all I can ask for my MST3K. Nice. A con- confession. Just I, I, up- I'm sorry. Oh. I've never watched an episode of MST3K. But, you know, <gasps> I've heard you of, so should. I've heard of it. And I've been meaning to get around to it. I've seen them pop up on Netflix and stuff, like, even before now, now that they're all on Netflix, I have no excuse. But still, I've never watched an episode. I've watched some of the films that have been on their show, just not not watch an episode. Well, some people don't get it and don't like it, and that's fine. I just don't get that. I love MST3K. Um, I, like I said, I was there from the beginning, and then I watched them all the way up to the end, and now that they're back, that makes me happy. I love all the spinoffs that came from MST3K. Uh, Joel went and did his cinematic Titanic. Uh, Mike has riff tracks. And, I mean, let me tell you, um, some years back when the Twilight films were coming out, I unfortunately had a job to review them. And if it wasn't for riff tracks, I would not have made it through those films. <laughs> So the only, I mean, that's legit straight up. The only way I can make it through those movies is having the Rift Tracks guys, at least in one of my ears, while I'm trying to watch the movie with the other, and because they were just painful. But thanks to them, I was able to do my job. I never mentioned that to anyone, so whoops. No, that's, that's but okay. I guess I, I have seen the first one and, and half of the second one. I think the second half of the last one, because there was some some pretty good bloody battle scene that I, I I'm not ashamed I did not did, that I enjoyed it, it was pretty amazing that, that was cool but it just they fail at basic storytelling 101 yes like the very the very first movie and I guess the novel it's based off of I've never read any of the books but the basic concepts of storytelling eludes her uh, the author there is like the whole first movie it's not the whole, but let's say 75% of it passes by without any sort of conflict. And then they remember, oh yeah, we're supposed to have some sort of antagonist in this. So they introduce some guys at the end, they have a little smackdown, that's it. And I'm like, wow, you have just failed incredibly hard at doing your job. But you know, like you, Brian, she knows who her audience is. And that's, well, and that's, I- that's not you, you know? <laughs> And that is true, and honestly, that is what I've said whenever I had to review one of these films. I was like, look, these movies are not made for me. Um, I do not like them at all. But obviously, hundreds of thousands of teenage girls and lonely soccer moms and who knows who else do. Um, I won't begrudge them their taste, but oh dear God, are they just painful for the non-fan to sit through. Mm -hmm. I recently, within the last few weeks, decided I was going to watch the first movie again. I was like, I'm going to do this. Just, okay. I was like, well, maybe. First off, she had to do that without me. <laughs> I did. I had to do it in the morning when I got up before he did. Like, I would get up extra early, and I would only get through about 20 minutes at a time. It took me about five days to watch the, <laughs> to watch the movie. Really? But I did it, damn it. <laughs> you did it, damn it. It was a trial. It was a, it was a smooth 
but painful hour 46 minutes or something. <laughs> and then he would come wandering in here, and I'm like, let me just get through this scene. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and on day four, I got to the baseball field scene. <laughs> that was about right. <laughs> but Gary, and what was your assessment at the end? <laughs> oh, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's, I mean, well, you heard, I made that big long post on Facebook about, I just don't understand, I don't understand the attraction to Edward because he was just mean to her and he wasn't. No, that is an abusive relationship. He was standoffish and then he would be like, oh, we can't be friends. But then he'd come up and talk to her again and he'd be like, no, 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 I can't be friends with you. And he would come and talk. I'm like, dude, you're an asshole. He's manipulative. Thank you. (laughs) So it's like a, it's like a reverse prick tease, but he's really pale. Yes. And sparkly. And sparkly, yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and the dialogue. Oh, God. Oh, my God. But on a better uh, note, we've also been watching, this is on Amazon Prime, and, oh, what is it called? Is it American the- Playboy. Thank you. American Playboy. It is a docudrama all about Hugh Hefner and him putting together Playboy. So it has legit, real documentary type footage but it also has actors playing the various people and a ton of titties which never hurts but it is actually really good it is really good i'm a big hugh hefner fan me too and and it's just i've always been a fan of his because then and every time i rear my head and mention that i am a fan of the magazine i'm a fan of the man i get all of these people being like, ah, how can you support that? Bah, you know, misogynist, black. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Re- and, re- real misogynist. Didn't his daughter run that magazine for like 15 oh, years? Oh, yeah. yes. And the thing is, this man busted his ass to do something innovative and like stylish and classy. Like he wanted, he started out working at Esquire and they pissed him off. So he left and decided to do it on his own and do it better. And he fucking did. And so many people don't know things about him, like the fact that he was very proactive when it came to civil rights. When no one else would have black performers on their shows or in their clubs, Hugh Hefner would. And he was a big fan of jazz. And and so he would have like Aretha Franklin performed in the Playboy Club, Sammy Davis Jr. And he did a show at one point that the Southern channels flat wouldn't air because there were black people and white people on the same show. And they dropped the show from the gasp existing together. Oh goodness. But he said, basically fuck them. If they don't want to air it, they can not air it, but I'm not changing my show. I want these performers. They're going to have a voice here and this is how it's going to be done. But nobody wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to talk about how he's such a misogynist, how he hates women. Well, you know, do some research because nothing he ever did was about hating no. women, you know, and I don't know. I've always been a big fan and the dude legit changed the world. Not many people can say that, honestly, but he did. And he basically said, you know, sex is normal. Sex is not bad. Sex is something that everyone does. If so not, why you wouldn't we, be here. So why are we so afraid of it? Yeah. So then he ended up going to court and going to court, whatever. But it was never smut. You know, it was always beautiful. And I got to say, there are a lot of celebrity women who 
have graced the pages of those magazines and have been very proud of it. Mm-hmm. And whatever. You know, when he opened the first Playboy Club, 400 girls showed up to be Playboy bunnies. And that was something he took very seriously. And those girls were protected. They weren't allowed to be manhandled. No one mistreated them. You know, they were there representing his brand. And it was something that he he had in high regard. Anyway, for all the naysayers out there, if you're listening to this, just watch the show. Nay! Learn something. Because the man's not a fucking demon. No. And if you do all that, if you actually do research and you still decide you think he's a demon, then whatever. I I can't help you. (laughs) (laughs) You have to check that out. Well, damn, that went... That went from zero to 16. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it, it, it goes right along with Devour, you know, stroke victims, Larry Flint. You know, but he got, you know, whatever. Him, rah, 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 rah. I can't do it, you know, but um, that Larry Flint. Uh, you know, Bo does a great impression. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, my God. Anything else, Brian, for sure? Oh, Feud. We just watched the last episode of Feud. Yeah, that was a show that I ended up liking. Uh, in spite of yourself. In spite of myself, yes. <laughs> I had no dog in that fight. It's about Bette Midler. Not Bette Midler. Yes, <laughs> Bette Midler, awesome. yes. <laughs> uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, their legendary feud across Hollywood. My only interest was, you know, whatever happened to Baby Jane. I love that movie. But the show goes beyond that. It really covers both women and covers them fairly and covers them well. And, of course, it's Ryan Murphy flick, so there's a lot of, uh, not flick, I guess, show. There's a lot of humor to go along with all the drama and the sadness. And just overall, it was an excellent TV show. For something I had no interest in, um, I ended up really liking it. Yeah, I practically had to beat him to get him to watch it. (laughs) But I absolutely loved it, and I was bawling quite a bit. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, they completely nailed how it used to be. And in some ways, it probably it, still, it, is. It still is. But it was particularly bad during the contract days and back then for women in Hollywood when older women couldn't work. You know, when older women were reduced to shitty roles. You know, now you've got, you know, the Helen Mirrens who get. You really have a few, roles. but only still very, very you've few. Got well, I mean, Glenn Close can still pull really good roles. Um, Meryl Streep can still pull really good roles. Helen Mirren. You know, you've got women who... I mean, there are limitations to what they're allowed to do, of course. But not like it was back then. No. Back then, they would put you on a shelf when you hit 40. You just weren't good for anything anymore. And they really nailed the emotion behind that. And just as a woman, it was just ringing me out. I mean, I bawled a lot, but in really good ways, you know, I mean, it was extremely enjoyable, but it just hit every mark the way it should have. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, anything else uh, of note? Uh, That's all about I can think of. Am I missing anything? Hmm. I'm gonna say not. Was there any movies? Well, I'm sure, but I don't know. I mean, we've got the new ABCs coming out, so we watched movies for that. Oh, so, yeah. So I'm going to be working on that tomorrow, so that should be coming out sometime this week. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I'll be working on uh, the editing process for these shows as well, so we'll be in the same boat. <laughs> uh, me, myself, I finally watched all that, that, that film that all the cool kids are talking about, The Devil's Candy, and um, 
I, I liked it. I, I, I liked it. Yes, indeed. But um. <laughs> but you didn't love it. No, I no, I, I liked it. But I, 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 I loved it pretty good. Well, I, I can't say that I loved a, a horror movie all the way because most of them play a little long. But I agree with Alex in saying that I don't need that extra twelve minutes because it was a cool seventy-eight minutes or something like that. And that, not that I was bored or anything. But it, it it made the ride all that much smoother that it was a little bit shorter and kind of more to the point. Whereas if it was if it was a little bit longer, I, I think that it, I I think I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. Although I don't know what the, those other scenes are, but you guys were talking. I can get about. that. I do want to see them. I would like to see the film in its entirety, but I am totally satisfied with what we got. You know. Yeah. So, sure. you know, I'm glad you liked it though, because it's uh, so far my number one for the year. Beautiful. Um. What else did I watch? I, I didn't watch. I, I still haven't watched Star Wars Rogue One. I, I still can't bring myself to like click click the button, as as you say. You know, I can't it. either. It's, it's one of those things. I watched that. That's something I did. Uh, you did? Yeah. Well, you weren't interested in it, so no, I no. I mean, it. and I wasn't, and that's the thing is, I just I just don't care anymore. It's not bad. I don't think it's a great movie. I don't even know if I'd classify it as good, but I will say it wasn't bad. It had some good action set pieces. There is some blatant Darth Vader fan service at the end, which admittedly is awesome, but it does bring up a question if he's that badass in Rogue One, why does he move like a geriatric uh, arthritis patient in the film that follows it, the original Star Wars? But Mm -hmm. hey, you know, whatever. Um, They had a robot in it that was funny as hell. I forget his name. So, I mean, there were some decent parts to it, but... Honestly, I mean, I used to be a huge Star Wars nerd. I didn't see this in a theater. I wasn't champing at the bit to catch it. It was one of those things where I had a couple hours, I saw it, and I was like, eh, why not? Oh, and yeah, uh, Now I don't have to. Yeah. And it's one of those <laughs> things where if I don't see it again, meh. But it just, uh, I wouldn't classify it as bad. It just it didn't blow me away. She, she's so bad. <laughs> now I don't have to. <laughs> you know. Well, I just uh, honestly just didn't... I just am a lot of fucks to give, and I hate to say it because I've always been a big Star Wars fan, but I've just got fatigue, I think. Yeah. You know, and I I'm, feel the same way about superhero films. Now, I am looking forward to Wonder Woman, and I am looking forward to Justice League. But, Why? And that's because I really want to see a good DC movie. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> watch watch DC television, okay? Then you'll get yeah, some well, good no, DC. Well, that's truth, but... I just, I don't know. I don't need another Avengers. I don't, you know what I mean? I just... I'll tell you right now, if you start watching The Flash tonight, you're, you're going to want to watch The Flash all the time, because The Flash is amazing, you know? Well, I keep hearing that. A friend of mine keeps telling me, oh, you need to watch it. And I probably will. It's just, uh, it, it I'm is, also... Sub- it is the best out of all those shows, and I, that's close second DC Legends of Tomorrow. So if I had to recommend two to watch, because Arrow can be kind of a chore... And Supergirl is kind of terrible. The actress that plays her is kind of terrible. But those two, those two for sure, I, I, I encourage you guys to watch. The only superhero stuff I've been watching recently is uh, the Netflix stuff, whenever they bring out one of those. Jessica okay. Jones was good. I like Jessica Jones mainly for the villain. I mean, you got Doctor Who being badass. Um, I love the second season of Daredevil, mostly because the Punisher. I'm a Punisher fanboy. Uh, the last one, the Iron Fist, was okay. It wasn't all that good. Yeah, they'll, but, bring, them, they'll bring them back together. I guess they had a whole lot of viewers, so. Oh, good. 
I mean, I want them to do. I like the character. I, they, I didn't think again that like Rogue One. I don't think it was bad. I just wasn't as good as all the rest that came before it. Yeah. But yeah. I'm willing to give it a shot. I will be watching. What is it? The Defenders when they bring that out. Mm-hmm. And I still like superhero movies, but I kind of have some fatigue too. I just I don't just go see them at theater or in the theaters anymore. Um, like Logan, I had a bunch of people trying to let's go see Logan. Let's go, and I'm like, nah. I'm sure I'll catch oh. it somehow. Well, see, as far as that one is concerned, I have never been an X Men fan. I didn't like the comics. I watched the first movie. I didn't care. I've never watched anything after that. I never watched any of the series. I just don't like X Men. I dig the X Men. Well, the different thing about Logan is it's not it's not an X Men film. It's it's as long as you know who Wolverine is and Professor X and um, the guy that that Stephen Mer- Stephen Merchant plays. You can look up the up on the internet who he is and just read. Oh, he's this guy. He's the guy who basically helped him expunge all the mutants. You know, but now he's a recluse with the rest of them. You don't need to know who any other character is. You just yeah, sit, but do sit. I need to care? Because I don't. Cause no, I but you 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 care. will care in in Logan, I believe. Oh, okay. You will cry. Supposedly everybody is crying during that film. It made me want to watch Shane. Let's put it that way. There's a great scene where where, where, where Professor X is is watching Shane with with uh, Wolverine's not really his progeny, but somebody that was made from his DNA. You know, little little, little X twenty three just slicing and dicing everybody. But her and her and the professor are watching Shane. It's very. It's like it's like grandfather and granddaughter in a way, you know, and her her emotions come into play later and uh yeah it's 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 part of the the echelon of the film for me that I haven't gotten from many superhero films. But Guardians, uh, speaking of Shane, I did recently watch the Sons of Katie Elder. Oh, yes, yeah. that's always a winner. That was yeah, one those, I love that movie. That was one of those films that my father would watch that I would dislike as a youngin, and he would fall asleep. He, he, classic dad would fall asleep in the chair, and my father had sleep apnea, but he would wake up whenever I went to go hit that clicker. You know, hey, I'm watching that! You know, he had that, that dad alarm clock for stuff like that. <laughs> oh, my God. What else did I watch? Oh, I gave, I gave Hell Knight a second chance, because I never, I never liked that fucking movie, ever. Cause it, and it's not because of my hatred for the Linda Blair as the person, because I do, I do enjoy Linda Blair's films. Linda Blair is cute as hell in that movie. Yes, yes, she is, and her her bosoms are on display. Like I don't know, I don't know what point in career. I never want to ask her this question because I, I sound like a real rude smug asshole. So at what point in career you just flop your titties all over the place? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, uh, I know for sure they're on display in what is that Savage Streets? Yeah, and then the ba- in, in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then which prison movie she did? Was that Caged Heat? C- Caged Heat or Chained Heat? One of those. It's, it's one, one of the those. heats, yeah. One of the heats. <laughs> but, uh, that, so that did was... you like it better the second time? I did, I did. I watched it like six years ago, and now I, I have a much clearer copy on, on our Voodoo account. And I think for that reason, for the same reason why I enjoyed Prom Night 1 a lot more when the Synapse release came out, I never seen a clean copy of it. It was oh, always okay. it was always that garbage copy. Yeah, and th- th- that that helped things. No, it certainly does. It's a very dark movie. So as far as lighting goes, or whatever you want to call, it, I'm not an expert cinematographer or anything, but it's a very dark film. So if you're watching a really crappy copy of it, like a YouTube version or something, you might not get the same feels as other people may get from a movie like that. So I think you know 
of all the garbage that Scream Factory's going after, why not give Hell Knight a shot and give a little restoration to that film? Because I think I would so. I would so be down for that because I straight up legit love that movie. Um, it, it deserves it. I don't think it's perfect, but of the '80s slashers, it's definitely in the second tier, right below the big name boys. It has a firm place there. It is far better than crap that would like Silent Madness or uh, hell, even the Mutilator, which is fun, just not a very bad or very good movie, I should say. New Year's Evil. People say, New oh, Year's Eve. Did you watch New Year's Evil this New Year's Eve? I was like, why would I do a thing like that? That movie's freaking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much other stuff you can watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got... I'm a completionist when it comes to slashers, but there's some... Uh, just the other... Not the other day. Uh, a couple months back, Jamie and I watched... What was it? Uh, Final Exam. Yeah, that's uh, bad. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> miscellaneous guy in an army jacket and a mo howard haircut goes terrorizing a college why don't know don't care you don't show up to the last 15 minutes um but even that movie i slashers always have a special place in my heart even that i can wring some enjoyment out of but hell knight is far better than that yes it is and i i I didn't agree so much i didn't agree so much before but i agree now that hell knight is is better than i remember it went from uh possibly a 1.5 or a 2 to like a 3.25 or something like that if I had to give it a number. So it's 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 still a shit sandwich, just not a soggy one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I watched a movie I like better than Hell Knight called Band of the Hand, if you guys know what that is. Love that oh, movie. Yeah. Got it on Blu-ray. Nice. Yeah, because we, we just discussed um, Hed- Hedvig last uh, episode, and Hedvig as a shorty was in this movie... Uh, playing the little silent one who shot his father. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, what was his name? God, I... Oh, I, got a, I got a right here, I think. His name was J.L. in, in the movie. Okay, that... I thought he had a nickname, because I... Uh, Psycho, or... Some, I can't. Yes, I think it was like Psycho. And it's also the cleanest I've ever seen James Remar in a film. <laughs> he, he, that movie is so quintessentially 80s. I just love it so... Yeah, I, I like it too, and um, it still holds up pretty well. Uh, what else did I watch? I can just go on the list here. You know, well, I watched Class of 1999 again because it's my favorite of the Terminator ripoffs. <laughs> nice. It, it it is a wonderful Terminator ripoff because it's almost better, I I think, in a way than Terminator because Arnie is very wooden. I mean, he's not an actor in in the first Terminator, but in this one you got um, Pam Greer. Uh, John P. Ryan, if you don't know his name, you know his face. And quintessential uh, 80s and 90s bad guy, Patrick Kilpatrick, as your teachers. And they're just got personality coming out of the ears. They're whooping these kids. They're beating, the, they're killing them. They're beating the fuck out of them. And I, I just I just love, 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 love this Terminator ripoff. I mean, it's right, right down to the very the last act of the film. They straight up, like, steal the score of the film. Like, it, it, like it's, well, it, as Richard Bam would call it, an homage to Terminator theme. He homaged the Psycho theme with Reanimator, but um, because <laughs> I don't think anybody got sued over the the score of Class of 1999. I could be totally wrong, but if you've never seen it, it's basically about gangs gangs in a high school that get out of prison to be a part of uh, an experiment where they stay uh, a mulleted blonde Stacy Keach with weird weird um with weird contact lenses creates these robot people 
that have military tech in them to keep these gang members in line, but they revert back to their original military uh, uh, software, and they just start killing kids, and it's spectacular. Now, real quick, doesn't one of them give a student a robo-spanking? Yes, yes he does. Okay, I was wondering if that was the movie. <laughs> His corporal punishment uh, kicks in, yes. <laughs> a robo-spanking, that's amazing. People pay good money for that, Brian. <laughs> a robo spanking. Oh, what else did I watch? That is uh, of note, I guess you would call it. And sorry, somebody's doing yard work outside, and this microphone picks up everything. I've been meaning to watch a lot more new stuff, but I, I it's hard for me to get around to it when everything I, I could watch is is very clickable on my TV. I watched uh, Flight of the Navigator because I bought it for ten dollars, and I was very excited that I bought it for ten dollars. And um, I'm the navigator. I'm the navigator. It's so good. <laughs> I love that movie from my childhood. But you, I need to watch it again. You watch it now, you just realize that like this is another one of those films from the '80s that made kids hate the government, and you know, and, and that's <laughs> fine. If you, I just, I told folks, I was like, I didn't need Donald Trump to tell me to hate the government. I found out at a very young age that the government were bad, <laughs> bad people. You know, <laughs> but Peter Coyote could be a good guy and a bad guy because he was good in, in Billy Jean, but bad in ET because he wanted to take his friend, and that was some fucking horse shit. You know, and, uh... <laughs> that was some horse shit, man. <laughs> that was some fucking horse shit. <laughs> he, he just wanted to go home, goddammit. Oh, my God. But it still looks great. You know, I, I heard the, the the guy that played the, the kid in the movie uh, ran into some legal trouble. I think he tried to rob a bank or something. And that's, oh, wow. that's, that's, a, that's, that's a shame. But the film itself, you know, it's one of the only times I've ever been attracted to Sarah Jessica Parker, for one thing. Hmm. Something about the crimp. Did you have crimped hair back in the day, Jamie? Once or twice. I was never a fan of it, though, to be honest. See that? I never liked, because I liked, um, like, I was more of a curl girl, Mm -hmm. I guess. I liked the smooth, bouncy curls, and it just always was so frenetic looking that, I don't know, I never cared for it. But I did do it a couple times. It was always a thing for me. I could blame Leah Thompson for this and Howard the Duck, the the, the, the crimped (laughs) hair, and, you know... Now, if she, if if if, if Olivia Newton-John had crimped hair, leg warmers, and roller skates in Xanadu, I think I'd have been all that more infatuated with her. But you know, <laughs> that that would have been a thing. But um, we're not talking about Xanadu yet. That, that that's that's hopefully coming soon. <laughs> oh God! Oh no! Come on now! It's just <laughs> you, you gotta humor me sometimes, Jamie, with my obsessions. I humor you all the time. <laughs> It's like I'm doing. Just watch the film. I'm doing this for Gary. I'm doing this for Gary. But, uh... <laughs> as long as she does it before I get up, we're okay. <laughs> oh my god! But um, besides that, um, I I, I can't. I, I said last episode I was all caught up on the DC shows, and I was. But the new ones start this week, which make me make me happy. The new episodes. So I'll be uh, I'll be talking about those next time. I'm sure. Oh, how can I forget? It was Easter Sunday, so I watched Critters 2, because that's that's tradition in, not in my house, but in my brain, that Critters 2 must be watched on Easter Sunday, because it's it's an Easter Sunday film. It has the Easter Bunny death, and it takes place around Easter weekend, so, yeah. That is something I never considered. Go, we go, actually have it. Go Critters, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Go Critters. I love will start doing that. I love you some Chiodos, man. Those guys are awesome. We have all the Critters, including the, unfortunately, the later ones. Yeah. The later ones. I, I love them all. <laughs> I never said that. Um, Critters Four is one of those films that's a. 
an alien. They're they're going for alien in that movie, like the the movie Alien, and they don't succeed necessarily, but it's still enjoyable. The critters actually terrorizing people on a spaceship, and uh, but the first two. Speak. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say. Speaking of, uh, recently watched Aliens again. Uh, Jamie has to do it for one of her shows coming up. No, I was going to ask you, did you watch that early in the morning while she was sleeping? Because she hates that oh. movie. <laughs> no, she had to watch it, so that made me happy. Whenever she has to suffer, I get some sort of amusement from it. But uh, last time we did watch it, which wasn't too terribly long ago, we watched the director's cut. Yeah. And I got to say, I'm not a fan of it. There's some neat things in it, some good ideas. It's 17 hours long. But yeah, it is. it feels way over long and way padded. Cameron feels like nothing he ever does is deserving of the cutting room floor. He's like, I have to keep every fucking stitch of film. (laughs) But watching the theatrical cut again reminded me just how damn good that movie is. I love that film. It is just, it is balls out awesome from beginning to end. Jamie may not agree with that, but she's often wrong, so that's okay. I know she don't agree with that. Just like like Evil Dead 2. Yeah. <laughs> people happen to li- people will have to listen to that show when we do it on the Skeleton Crew to find out if anything has changed. I don't I don't despise you for it, Jamie, by the way. I'm just I'm just letting you know that you're you're oh, wrong. No. You are right about it not being a horror film, but you're wrong about not liking it for that reason. I know, I just I feel more pity towards her than anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I need to watch Psycho. I may have pinpointed what I didn't like about it, and I'll go into more of that on the show when I actually do it. But I, I need I need to watch Sidekicks again now because you just said that you know you pity her for it. And there's that great scene <laughs> in Sidekicks where Brandis starts you know God rest. I, I hope Brandis is doing fine wherever he is. He's he's dead now, but uh, he says this big old weepy moment with uh, with Winnie Cooper about oh you pity me all this stuff. And I'm, I watched Sidekicks a lot as a kid. That that's where I became, I guess, infatuated with Chuck Norris, much like young Jonathan <laughs> Brandis in that movie, you know. But um, I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that and ask Brian for our beef of the week. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order fries. Who gets the barbecue beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Okay, uh, hmm. Well, I tell you what, I'm gonna play the old man yelling at kids to get off their lawn and shouting at the clouds. There you go. I guess my beef is change. Specifically, there's a movie theater out by us we love to go to. Oh, uh. Yeah. Um, good theaters, good concession stand, good service. It's never too crowded. It's just, it's our favorite place to go to. Unfortunately... To keep up with the times and such, they have started some changes. First thing they did is they felt the need to put in those big recliner chairs. Now, some people love them, and they are kind of comfy. But if you go there with someone, uh, we always like to go together, and we'd flip up the armrest between us, and then she would snuggle in close to me, and I'd put my arm around her, and it was great. Those chairs, you can't do that. And so that kind of pisses me off. As if that wasn't enough, because now they have new chairs, they're jacking up the ticket price. Okay, fine, I get it, inflations, times change, everything goes up, whatever. But recently, 
And almost what might be the straw that breaks the camel's back, and we may have to start finding another theater. I know. Makes me sad. Is I went online to see what new movies are coming out. If there's anything I may want to take her to and go see. And now they're going to start implementing a thing that when you buy tickets online, you can basically claim your seat. Oh, the assigned, and, the assigned seating is a terrible idea, but except uh, like that. But like they have like a big IMAX theater at Navy Pier where they they do that and other theaters. They're mostly theaters in in the, the vicinity of Chicago where you have to buy your tickets, which is fine as long as you're not buying them last minute. You're crammed between like three people in the front row. You know exactly. I mean, and plus just little things like you know when we would go to the theater, we would go there early enough to get a good seat. You know, on their website, they're like, no, you don't have to come here an hour early to get a good seat. No, fuck you. You never had to go there an hour early to get a good seat. Just arrive a little bit early so you can walk in, claim your seat. And let's face it, I don't know about you, but I don't like being mushed up to strangers I don't know. So you'd put your jacket or something in the seat next to you. Unless it was a a sold-out show, then, well, you got to eat it and do what you got to do. And so you'd have you, you'd have your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever, you could give yourself a little buffer space on either side of you. You could flip up the armrest and put your arm around your significant other. Um, all that's going to be gone now. Because now you're going to have seats that are claimed. And who's going to tell you if they're claimed or not? If you just walk into the theater, are they going to have people in the theater going, Oh, you can't sit there. Wait, wait, no, no, no. You got to move over. Are the tickets going to have seat numbers designated on them? I mean, just it. Yeah, they do actually, and I, I've had this experience. It was never a bad experience, except when I went to see Jurassic World at the expensive, you know, Navy Pier IMAX I, I aforementioned. I bought it last minute, and that was that was my fault, I guess. But that was a first time experience with the assigned seating, and I never been to that theater before. So, well, do they? If you buy your tickets from the box office, do you then choose a seat? Yes, yes, you do. There's like a so big, that's just going to take more time. I was yes. saying, there's like a big screen of like it's almost like when you buy concert tickets. You're going to sit in oh. section A11. You know, you, they have it all mapped out to where you're going to sit in in proportion. Why do they have to, the to make screen. it so complicated? It's going it to the fucking movies. Needlessly complicated. It is. It is. It is. But that's that's the the way of the world, I guess. <laughs> it's it's another marketing point they can you know put on their screen and go we reserve. Pardon me. Reserve your seating in advance, and because now God knows everything has to be done in advance. Everything has to be done in your phone or computer or whatever. You can't just walk to up to a theater, go give me two tickets for this, without somehow getting boned now. Yeah, and, and it's one of our favorite pastimes, and they're desperately trying to push us out. Yeah, and I realize this makes me sound like the angry old man, but damn it, I am old and I am angry. This is just fucking stupid. <laughs> It's a very simple process. Yes. You go to the fucking box office, you buy a fucking ticket. Even if you wanted to purchase your tickets online, which I've done on occasion, there's nothing wrong with that. But then you just show up to the theater early, and now it's like, oh, no more standing in line to get the seats that you want. Well, that's just the way it is. If you want to get a good seat, you get there fucking early. That's yep. what you do. It's, it's just... Like, ah, people are so goddamn lazy. <laughs> They're like, I can't be bothered. My time is too important. Yeah, so that really bums me out. Maybe it's not going to be as bad as I envision in, in my head, but it probably will be. And, uh, I mean, we were so happy to have this theater here because it was a very old-school theater. And we loved everything about it. Yep. And it was now, reasonable. It was clean. Yeah. It was quiet. I know it actually does a really good business, like a very brisk business, 
But we would always go early morning shows where it wasn't all that busy. And it's also the prices are cheaper. Because we're cheap and misanthropic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, there ain't nothing wrong with that. There's a theater around and us. And I'm very particular about my seat. Yes. Oh, Christ, is she particular about her seats. It's 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 like a Monty Python sketch. <laughs> I'm just like, let's just sit down. When, I mean, she has to break out a uh, tape measure, a compass, <laughs> a plumbing bob to make sure everything is level. Did, did you marry Sheldon Cooper, you know? I was going to say yes. I'm like Sheldon. I'm kind of like Sheldon in that respect. In that respect, a plumbing bob. Come on. <laughs> well, hopefully, you know, since you see your, your theater doesn't see a ton of traffic when you guys go, hopefully, it doesn't really affect your your That's film what I'm watching hoping. experience. Yes, with the exception of the seats, of course, that you talked about, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I, again, maybe I'm making it up to be too much more than it is. I'm hoping. No, you're you're, yeah. you're not wrong because you know. If somebody's new to this, like like I was that one time, you know, it's like, what the fuck is this shit? You know, <laughs> what are you talking about now? This this was in this was introduced by white people. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> probably was. You know, I know my own race, people. This is this was introduced by a white person because the brothers well, won't put up with this. These bigger seats, these recliner seats, honestly, to me, just seem like a really stupid business move because they cut down on their seat numbers tremendously. Mm-hmm. Now there's like you, 26 chairs. When you say big recliner seats, you mean like the recliners themselves or like seats that go back? Um, these are actual like leatherette. Yeah. Big puffy feet go out. Yeah, they just... Back ex- goes down. See, the problem with me is I'm, I, I am an old man like that, Brian. Like, tell me I go to sleep on the couch. If I get too warm and too comfortable in a place, I'll fall asleep. You put me in a, in a fucking lazy boy in the movie theater, I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm definitely going to sleep. That's, you know what? That's their plan. Maybe it they're is hoping you're to you're gonna see fall it again. Asleep. Yeah, so then you'll have to pay to see it again. <laughs> but then again, I, I get Gary's revenge because I snore very loudly, especially uh-huh. when I'm very, especially tired, you know. Uh-huh. Well, Jamie's not a fan of the seats because she's so wee, her feet don't hit the ground. <laughs> so it's she's true. sitting there kicking her feet. and <laughs> It's kind of adorable. No, it's true. If I don't like most recliners anyway because they're too tall the backs are too tall and i'm so short that they always hit me in the back of the head just enough to push my head forward so that it makes my neck hurt and then my feet kind of dangle and don't touch the ground so uh, that's okay if you have the foot rest up but after a while my feet start to fall asleep from having the foot rest up so i have to put my feet down well then i go to put my feet down and they don't touch the ground they just dangle which means my legs fall asleep <laughs> i'm just too little for these things oh i forgot i watched kill bill volume one and two and never learned anything from that film just wiggle your big toe that's how it gets started right yeah. away yeah. so i'm very uncomfortable i start to get you know grumpy and grouchy and I'm moving around and constantly I'm like just give me a fucking movie seat why is yeah. it so hard I mean you can't sit like that you can't sit in a chair for an hour and a half that was a that was a fix for no problem exactly that was, there was no need for that but some bright idea 
And again, probably hey, just it's so a they one-time can... cost for us, and we can charge more. That's why, you know, because now we can justify jacking up our ticket price. Because ooh, do, fancy seats. Do they have this, and they have regular theater in their, their in this multiplex or no? Uh, I think they're all going to this. Okay. Yeah, it's just they slowly. Yeah. So the last time we went to the movies was when we went to see the Belko experiment. That that sounds about right. And the theater we had for that movie had the recliners, but at that point they were about half and half. I think by now they've probably all converted. Well, I have noticed uh, checking their times and schedules that they do take a few days off during the week where yeah. they ain't doing anything. So that's probably when they're doing all this stuff. Yeah, that was, remember, I was trying to get, because I wanted to go see something last week. Yeah. And they were closed. Anyways. Anyway. So yeah, that's my beef. That's your beef. Okay. <laughs> Jamie, what is your beef? I don't know. Um, hmm. Well, recently I heard about Oxford <laughs> releasing uh, some research saying things like if you don't give people eye contact, strangers eye contact, then that is considered a microaggression. Mm. And uh, what was the other thing? The other thing that was a microaggression. Oh, if in conversation you ask someone where they're originally from, that's also a microaggression. And racist. And both of these things mean that you're racist and you don't know it. Huh? This is a real thing? This is a real thing. And to that I say, fuck them really hard. <laughs> because that is... People, this is my beef. People are so dead set on finding something to be offended by, anything to be offended by, any reason to be the victim. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sick of it. Yeah. You know, just because, and Philip DeFranco said this, and I completely agree, just because you may feel offended by something, that doesn't make you the victim in that scenario. You know what it makes you is an overly sensitive pain in my ass. We live in a victim culture. It is now chic to be the victim. People go out of their way. And people make whole careers about victimization, finding things to be offended by, yeah. finding reasons to be offended. Goes and if not, then God damn it, they're going to make one up. Goes back to my hatred of Anita Sarkeesian. Oh, but very good, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> damn it, I just get so mad. Because to me, the most egregious part about this whole thing, this whole culture that we live in, is that it actually detracts mm-hmm. from the real problems that we have, from the people who really are being disadvantaged, yeah. who really do have legitimate issues to complain about, legitimate problems that need to be fixed. The people who are legitimately oppressed or discriminated against or marginalized. Yeah. You, oh, he didn't look me in the eye. He must be, no, fuck you. Sorry, I'm. Yeah. Have these people <laughs> ever been to New York City? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, is it, it is an act of aggression to look someone in the eye in, in a lot of places, you know? You purposely don't give people eye contact. And it's not because you're a racist. It's because they're strangers and you don't have to do that. In the South, we do. I mean, you know, we nod and wave to people that we don't know all the time, and that's just the way it is. But you go to unfamiliar places and someone doesn't look you in the eye. I never took offense to that. They don't know me. They don't owe me shit. And that's another thing. I don't know anyone's shit. I'm tired. No one owes me shit. Stop thinking everybody owes you something. Because you know what? They don't. I'm done. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, court, court, um, court posted uh, some kind of quote or something about don't call a woman a bitch or a slut or something. And something about the fr- friend zone or something. I forget the exact quote it was. But 
I, I think that you shouldn't call a woman a bitch or a slut. But but you know that that when you have stupid women, you, you know this type, Jamie, that casually call each other bitches and sluts. Am I supposed to show them the same respect that they don't show themselves, or just you know? Just... Well, because if you do it, then you're wrong. Yes. I mean, to be honest, I've never given a good goddamn what anyone calls me. But and I, never, I guarantee I, I never, you, the course of my like, life... I don't, casually, I don't casually walk around calling people bitches and sluts or anything, but the, the, the well, fact Well, of course that, not, because yes. you're a decent human being, yes. for the most part. I have my father's um, son. <laughs> but if someone were to say, hey, bitch, I don't give a fuck. I don't care what you call me. It doesn't matter, because anything that comes out of your mouth is not hurting me. You raise a hand to me, that's a different story. You know, you throw something at me, now we have a brawl. She gonna fuck him up. But if you sling an insult at me, I don't give a fuck. I'm not that fucking broken that that's gonna wreck my life or end my world. I will turn around and walk away from you, and that's all it takes. I'm just gonna make it to Jamie's estate and work where she works and just throw a chair and see what happens. <laughs> like the hip-hop <laughs> awards, you know? <laughs> you know what, if you throw a chair... As long as it doesn't hit me, we won't have a problem. Uh, I, I want I want a genuine Jamie Jamie Salmon's bro down. I want I want her to get all get all raw on me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot. Oh, yeah. It does. It really takes a lot to rile me up because I don't have time for all that bullshit. I really don't. No, the, 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 and the, the, oh god, I'm good. I'm sorry. It, no, I'm just saying it does. It does. Now, if you do make me angry, then you know. You probably won't like me when I'm angry. And it probably sounds like I anger very easily, judging from my beefs that we discuss every episode. But mainly the things that piss me off tend to be that people get pissed off over stupid things. Why are you wasting this energy? One of my things is that you're talking about, you know, if you do this, you're overly aggressive or racist or whatever. I mentioned before that I'm my father's son. My father was one of those people that... Even on even on my mom and dad's honeymoon, my mom would say that my father was talking to somebody in line wherever they were about the price of milk. You know, we just have I just make conversations with people. I, I go to a convention and I'll make a conversation with a stranger that's in line. It's it's just mm-hmm. what you do when you're waiting for somebody to come that's gonna be two hours or something, you know? Yeah, sure. And the 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 fact that, you know, it's it's offensive to talk to certain people in certain cultures I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that guy. I mean, yeah. I, I, or God I, forbid, ask them where they're from. Yeah, it's crazy. It's fucking crazy. Is this like a nation thing? Like, are you are you from like Serbia or pa- Palestine? Well, it's, or what is it? I, th- I think the intent. Well, you know, all they basically said is is if you ask someone where they're originally from, so it's considered racist. I guess if you come across a person of a different ethnicity. Oh, God. And you're like, oh, where are you from? Because you're making the assumption that they're not American. I've gotten uh, looks well, before from people, like, just saying, like, like although, hold, holding a door open. from Oxford, so. Holding a door <laughs> and, like, saying, like, hey, how you doing? I've gotten looks from people like I just fucked their wife or something. And, like, dude, yeah. just, just being friendly, you know, just calm down, you know? <laughs> well, that also goes back to that decades-old issue of women getting pissy if a man would hold the door for them. Um, that used to piss me off because they were ruining it for the rest of us. I'm sh- like, I'm God sh- damn it. I'm chivalrous. I appreciate that. I'm chivalrous as fuck when it comes to that kind of stuff, you know. I, I don't I don't go on a ton of dates because I'm I'm generally an asshole most of the time. And I just I just I just exude it sometimes and 
I, I just I, I stay away from people for that reason. And uh but you know, and then in the in the, the, the rare occurrence where I do go out with somebody like that, I, I, I'm chivalrous as fuck. And if you don't you like know, and when you know, open a door for a woman, does that mean that you think she is weak and unable to open the door for herself? <laughs> it's like that lie from Jason gave me. It's like you better, tell, better let the little pink mafia know that you are a man to help you hang a picture. You know, that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> I mean, no, fuck you. You're being, I mean, not fuck you, but fuck that. You're being nice. You know, there, it's a common courtesy. It's called ex- having manners, something ex- this world lacks yeah, anymore. Extended to a, another human being, no. regardless of gender. No, I hold the door open for anyone. I don't, it's not like, oh, here's a lady. It's just, you know, it's and, common courtesy. Yeah, if I see, It's like, not so common anymore. If I see five guys walking, five guys or gals or whatever you guys are walking behind me, I'll hold open the door for the rest of them. If I see more coming, I'll still hold the door. It's, yeah. It's, it's not too taxing to take a couple more seconds out of my day to hold the door for somebody. You know? Although there is that, those standoffish folks who will grab for the door like, like they're going to get to the door and all of a sudden slam in their face like, ha ha, I got you! You know? <laughs> yeah. I, Fooled I, you! I see, exactly. I see those people all the time. Like, they like, they like grab for the door like, this honky's not going to hold the door for me. Like, I, I will, you know, but uh, <laughs> you're welcome. I'm going to ask you to say thank you. But, uh, oh my god. Yeah. So, what about you? My beef, <laughs> let me tell you. I, I went, I went to, to C2E2, which is a, a comic, entertainment, and literary convention, Brian. So, if you ever make it up to Chicago at some point in time, you ever want to push a book or something, they have a lot of writers there that nice. push their stuff. I love Chicago. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's a, that was a big convention this past weekend. I, I went on Saturday. Too broke and tired to go on Sunday, so I just stayed home. You know, you have to do that sometimes. And I met some some pretty great people in line, and pretty pretty great celebrities that I met before. I I marked, marked that Vincent D'Onofrio thing off my list, and I was not disappointed. He was pretty awesome, and he's pretty awesome in things. So that that made me happy. Oh Christ! I'm gonna Jamie Salmon something real quick. Go for it. Uh, excuse me. The term is Jamie Jenkins. <laughs> No, it's not. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> um, we watched Rings, the new Ring movie. Oh, yeah? What made me think of it was D'Onofrio's in it. Oh, yeah? Um, he is easily the best part of that movie. He's easily uh, the best the, part of a lot of movies, though, so that's... that's yes, yes. Well, I actually had to review this, and I re- said in my review something akin to, he's not great in this. But even lukewarm D'Onofrio is still pretty damn good D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. And uh, as for the rest of the movie, it's 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 a pass. It is it's just not good. Yeah, we, we had a, we had, I'm sorry, we had a pretty great conversation uh, about how much I love me and my me and my father would love to watch the Newton, the Newton Boys. That's something we shared, like like the Bronx Tale. We watched that a lot together too. And he was in that with uh, McConaughey and the bunch and um. And how my, my childhood exploded when I found out that he was uh, Mr. Dawson from Dawson's Garage in uh, Adventures in Babysitting. That that was the same guy. This happened like two yeah. years ago. My, my you know I didn't realize it till then. I found that out about five years ago. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, so I told him like that. That's that's pretty awesome. So that's that's the picture that I chose for him to get signed. Was he had it right on his table? You know, the, mm-hmm. this, that's the best he's ever looked as far as being, like, toned and stuff, because you wouldn't think it was the same guy, like, uh, the, the year before in, in Full Metal Jacket. 
where he was kind of doughy as as Pyle. You know? Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with being doughy, but he's he's quite the doughy gentleman compared to his his predecessor in Adventures of Babysitting. He's never looked at that slim before. Um, I got to meet uh, mentioned the Flash earlier. Dr. Caitlin Snow from The Flash, uh, Danielle Pennebaker, she was in the Friday remake, and if you've seen the very underrated Sky High, she's in that as well. Um, she was a real sweetheart. And um, who else? Will Wheaton is the best geek you'll ever want to meet, because he, he seems like, you know, he could be real, like, just like he's playing a role on TV, like acting like a nerd. But no, he's right in there with you. And I love <laughs> it. I love meeting Will Wheaton. That guy was spectacular. I follow him on Twitter. It's entertaining. Nice. Yeah, he's somebody that, you know, back in the day during the Star Trek Next Generation or, hell, even stuff like uh, The Curse. Uh, I wasn't a Will Wheaton fan, but now I am just based on who he is. He seems like a a very cool dude. I watch his tabletop show on YouTube. Yep, me too. Love that show. He was pushing that, but all my friends that play those games, they all moved away. So it's one of those things where... If I start watching those videos, I want to start playing those games. Yeah. Yeah. And they can get pretty expensive, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, board games anymore are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But um, at this show, you know, I, I imagine, Brian, if you ever showed up, you'd probably end up here. Not in a bad way, but there was a, there was a place they called Artist Alley. If you ever been to a, a comic show or any kind of show like this? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm not asking anybody to, to, to suck my dick or anything. But when you're in, you're in the aisle, you know, you're in Artist Alley, and you're trying to push a book on, on somebody that nobody's ever heard of before. It's not a Spider-Man, it's not a Thor, it's not a Batman, it's not anything. It's just something you created. Don't sit back like, like an asshole and with your arms crossed because nobody's buying your book. You, you get, you get your, your face out there, and you push your book <laughs> onto people. This, this, this has to be done, Jamie. You get your ass out there and you find that fucking dog. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The Billy Madison. Uh, yes. <laughs> but they they need to go find their own puppy that lost their way because some of the I, <laughs> it's 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 very it's very it's a very different environment now. Like people people are, it's it's kind of like my, my my lovely Blackhawks, who I still love, even though they got swept by the fucking national predators. But they they're they're playoff fans. Is a totally different tone than the regular season fans because they're f- it's full of rich fuckers who paid a lot of money to sit there and with their arms crossed and not make any noise. Well, this is the same vibe. These are these are creators who paid for a table at a comic convention, and well, in this case, and uh, multiple. This is multi-tier convention. Like I said, there's a literary one too that come in there to to sell their book to you. Well, they should be out there like saying. Hey, come here for a minute. I want to tell you about my book. Or you know, are you are you, do, do you, like my friend who was on the show, Mike Wellman. We we did the Richard Hatch thing. The first time I met him, he was in a, a disco jumpsuit in an afro, and him and my friend Raphael were pushing their Mac Afro book about this guy who's. If you never, you guys have no idea what this is, but if you guys find him on Facebook, Mac Afro is a book about him. Inter- intergalactic, basically Jim Kelly, who goes through space and time mess- messing with baddies. He's dressed like in with the jumpsuit on and then the afro, he's, and it's really entertaining. And they had a CD soundtrack for their comic book. You know, I'm not asking for all this, but it was pretty... Sp- me, me and my buddy spent so much time listening to the CD soundtrack, it's not even funny, until it like wouldn't play anymore. But they, they had the goods... To, to, to stand out there and say, 
this is my book. We really think you'll... Do, do you like Star Wars? Do you like this? We think you'll really enjoy it. And then you'll look, look through it, and then maybe you want to make a purchase. These fuckers are just sitting back there, looking like smug assholes, just saying, you know what, nobody's going to even looking at our book. It's like, yeah, because you're not trying. They don't know what the fuck your book is. That's that's some people that need to get out of the game. Um, I deal with authors all the time. I'm an author. Mm-hmm. If you're not hustling, stop. Just hang it up. They're not going to come to you. Yeah, I mean, unless your na- last name happens to be King or Barker or God knows a million other, you know, New York Times bestselling authors, mm-hmm. no one's going to seek you out. You need to push yourself. And, I mean, you can do it to an obnoxious degree, and I don't recommend that. But, no, you have to you have to promote. You have to, hey, come on over here, take a look at this. You have to do that. Well, baby, if you ever end up at a con... I will dress up like Cthulhu and wave my tentacles, drawing people in. Well, now we're going just for that. <laughs> well, it's the same time every year, Brian, so it's, it's this month next year. If you want to come out to C2E2, it's a pretty good time. But like like Daryl McDaniels, who you, you guys know as DMC for Run DMC, you know, he, he had a comic book. He, he has one, you know, and he's one of the most realest motherfuckers you ever want to meet. He's the nicest guy on the planet. He, he's very personable. But he was standing outside of his booth. People know who he is. But even though people knew who he was, he didn't He didn't even have to do that. He was standing outside of his booth trying to, to, to lure people in to sell, to, to, to sell you on his book. That's what you got to do. You got to hustle. I mean, I, I never met him before, but because he keeps eluding me. Henry Winkler is one of the greatest celebrities of all time. Because you want to know why? While these other people are standing, sitting behind their booth, sitting down to take selfies of people, and blah blah bullshit, Winkler waits outside of his booth, w- waiting for people to come to greet them. You know, like thank you so much for coming uh-huh. to see me at this convention. You know, it's, it's, he's a real friendly fella, and I'm really sad I haven't met him yet, but it's gonna happen. I got a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would be if people ever had a reason to meet me. I would be grateful. And I would be welcoming. Honestly, I don't know if I would. I'm a bit introverted, <laughs> so I may hide behind something. Um, yeah, but you you would be there to sell your book, though. You you would be talking to people, Brian. Yes. These people were talking to nobody. Well, and it was really it was really annoying me. I was like, okay, because I'm not one of those people who say, oh, it seems cool, but you know, you're kind of an ass, so I'm not going to come visit you. But if you just come uh, up as a, as a grumpy child, I'm not going to come see your shit. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I've been doing this too long. <laughs> Again, yeah, if that's your mindset, if that's your attitude, get out of the business. Go do something else. This isn't for you. And, and on, on a lighter note, uh, those Stranger Things kids came on Sunday, and uh, friends of mine who, who, who were in the know... So that that Gaten, um, I forget how you pronounce his last name. But he plays Dustin on on Stranger Things. Was a really nice guy, which I hear he is, and I'm sorry I missed him. And um, but Billy Bobby Brown, who who plays uh, Eleven, she was a real bitch. I heard so. D- don't don't go visit her. I guess. <laughs> so if you they learn learn this conversation, don't go meet Millie Bobby Brown at a convention. Cause she fuck takes, Eleven. Yeah, fuck Eleven. She takes selfies of herself and just makes me makes people fucking wait and shit. And or she was very unpleasant to people. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 a shame if you're starting off with that attitude that early on your in your career. 
But it's I, only going to go downhill from there. I've always heard good things about Gaten, though. The kid, the kid that plays Dustin. I always heard that he's he like meets people on the street and just has conversations with them. So I want to meet that guy. That that guy seems awesome, you know. But um, that's that's my beef, you know. If you don't if you don't got the goods to sell your book, even in, even if you got a shitty book, just put your balls out there, people, please, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or, or your respective genitals, whatever you have going on down there, you know. <laughs> Your your metaphorical balls, <laughs> um, but tonight I, I I promised Brian that if he came on the show that we wouldn't watch bad movies, and I I, I think that we watched two good movies and an okay movie. Uh, we're doing all the poker gambling films tonight. Uh, first one being the the Cincinnati Kid, starring the well, starring some great people. We'll get into that when we talk about it. From from um, I think nineteen sixty five. I think it is. Can be totally wrong. Uh, five yeah, card sounds about right. Yeah, five card stud featuring uh, Dean Martin and Robert Mitchum for from uh, nineteen sixty eight, and then uh, much much further in the timeline, we're discussing one of my all time favorite films. Films, okay, people, and rounders. Yeah, I, I can't wait to talk about that with these guys. But we're gonna start this chronologically with the Cincinnati Kid. Right to the trailer. where everything is left to chance. Men and women will gamble on anything. 25 and 20. That's right. The rules. He's got it. He's got it. He's $3,000. There you are. Women are a universal problem. Can't live with them and can't live without them. Prosperity for everybody. Gut money. There's no limit. No fix. It's that three river gambling man, the Cincinnati kid. The Cincinnati kid. The Cincinnati Kid. His luck is a temptation to every woman. I hope you lose. And his luck is a challenge to every gambling man. I don't need Mark cards to beat you, pal. Down the river to New Orleans, where the kid found excitement enough to satisfy even his adventurous spirit. Here he fought his way up to the big time, aided and abetted by his pal, the shooter. You, shooter, man, you've been dealing me cards for an hour. Like hell, I... And finally, to challenge the supremacy of the king of gamblers. My pleasure, lady fingers. The man himself. You've been scared of the kid. Should I be? Hey, kid! He's here! Damn right. Possible straight flush. There's always a younger man waiting to take over. $3,000. Diamonds. No. Nothing. Sure he is. The kid's got him. After the game, I'll be the man. I know. Christian was the girl who really loved the kid. Hey, what the hell are you going to Frenchie movies for anyway? Shooter's wife wanted to go. Melba. Melba. Since when are you hanging with Melba? Melba. Always willing to gamble with someone else's life. Yeah, she's a fun girl. Do you, uh, have to cheat at everything. And the Cincinnati kid, lucky at love as well as at guards. Until one night, he pushed his luck too far. See you later. Whoa, the voice whoa, of Ray Charles. The Cincinnati kid. I mean the Cincinnati kid. Whoa, 
The Cincinnati Kid from 1965, I was correct, uh, stars Steve McQueen as the Cincinnati Kid, a very, ooh, and Margaret. And Margaret's in this film as, as uh, Melba. Yes, she is. Her name is Melba because I, I, I would love to eat her because her name is Melba in this film. <laughs> yeah, I made the same joke. <laughs> I did. <laughs> this got a great cast. She is fucking beautiful. Yes, yeah, she, yeah, she is. Uh, Carl oh, God damn. Ma- Carl Malden and his nose is in this movie. Yeah, because that, that's everywhere in this film. <laughs> uh, Tuesday Well, who's also very cute in this film. I, I didn't realize how yes. cute. You don't realize how cute she is until you see this kind of stuff. You know, I've only seen her as a, like an old lady and stuff. Uh, the great Edward G. Robinson as the great Lancey Howard. Oh, there's there's so much great stuff to go in this film. Um, but I'm gonna Cab Calloway. Cab Calloway, Rip Torn. Uh, Jack Weston plays a character called Pig. I've only, I've only known him. I've seen him in stuff, but the main thing I know him from he was the bad guy from Short Circuit Two <laughs> that wanted Johnny Five to do bad things. You know. Oh my God. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with with our guest Brian. And um, what'd you think of the film, sir? I really liked it. Um, it's funny that this is '65, and the film that follows it that we'll be talking about was in '68. I could have sworn. This was a this was a much later film, and that was a much earlier film. But I guess we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, this is a <laughs> maybe I'm tipping my hand, ha, ah, a little too early. But this is a true poker film where the card playing isn't just there for set dressing, and it's also a very much a human drama. You have this character who's our lovable rogue who has big dreams and aspirations. It's essentially Rocky, but with cards. You know, he wants his shot at the champ. You know, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. And that's what he's all about. Edward G. Robinson is the man. And he comes to town, and our titular Cincinnati kid is, I want to take him on. And much like something that happens in some of the other films, We'll be discussing. He wants to take him on straight. He wants to beat him legit. He wants to know that he did it with no tricks, no cheats, no cons. You know, mano el mano. Uh, while another film we'll be talking about has cowboys in it, this is very much. It's two cowboys, it's two gunslingers facing each other down, both at you know the top of their game. And the film does a good job of keeping the outcome hidden. This is a first time watch for me. I n- never even heard about it before. So I was pretty sure I had this film all figured out. But on several occasions, it kind of, you know, swerves me. It kind of was like, well, I didn't see that coming. And I love when a movie can do that because it so rarely happens. The cast is incredible. I mean, this is a serious film with serious actors. And each one of them just knocks it out of the park. Perhaps my favorite is... And Margaret, just because, holy hot damn, is that a good-looking woman? <laughs> I think yeah, we, I heard I, you right away, and I was like, she's always had the best rack. Yeah. I mean, she, she is just smoking. She was waiting for that reaction to see what you were going to say next after that, by the way. And I know this. I know this girl, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she knew I had a thing for her. Um Hell, she hell I have a thing for her. Typical, <laughs> typical woman. Is she cuter than me? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> hell yes, she is. <laughs> no, she's not, baby. 
But uh, yeah, there ain't too much to really pick apart this film or to dislike about it. There is a, I guess, maybe an unexpected turn with one of the characters um, that it feels honest, but I was both impressed and surprised the film did this because it totally it makes him makes this person into a jerk. And I'm like, well, that was, again, unexpected. I didn't, you know, usually good guys are good guys, bad guys are bad guys, and never the two shall meet. I, I guess it's a very honest, a very human thing. But when it's all said and done, let's just say that character gets what they deserve in my book. And I'm like, well, there you go. That's what happens when you're an asshole. Karma comes around. You um, can talk freely. This is a spoiler show? Yeah. yeah okay. Well, the movie's... Like 50 years old. <laughs> I know, but I, I always hate spoiling stuff for people. Because like me, I never saw this before. And I was quite surprised in in a good way. Uh, essentially, our hero ends up sleeping with his best friend's wife. And also cheating on the girl that he loves. I mean, they're not married or anything, but they're a pretty steady item. Hell, just like the couple days before, he went down to stay with her on her farm with her family. And yet, and I got to feel bad for the guy because, come on, it's Anne Margaret in her prime. That's, that would be tough to say no to. Plus he was angry. Plus he was he angry. Was angry with Carl Malden. But still, that's an explanation that's not a fucking excuse. No, that's not. And I do like this turn because it is real. There's plenty of people out there that do stupid things. But then I like how the ending comes around and it's like, ha, you, th- you thought this is how it was going to go. Guess what? And uh, I guess at the end, he does get to keep the girl, not Anne Margaret, but his girl. But even then, I'm like, you don't deserve her. You are an asshole. But that's just me. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was an ace of a film. Ha ha. And uh, I'm glad I watched it. Nice, nice. Uh, Jamie. Well, I love this movie. I thought I had seen it before, mainly because... Steve McQueen and I knew about it and I was certain that I'd seen it because it's unusual for me to not have seen a Steve McQueen film. But then as we're watching it, I was like, I don't think I have seen this. Like it just didn't seem familiar, but so that was cool. So I got some genuine surprises throughout and I got to tell you, I was genuinely surprised. Like, I mean, Brian can back me up on this at the end of the film when he's playing that final hand of poker, that hurt me. Like I was, I didn't see it coming down, like going down the way it went down. And I had a physical reaction (laughs) to it. I was just like, oh, (laughs) Um, apart from the cockfighting. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Which. Yeah, that was rough to watch. Kind of ups. Yeah, that kind of upset me. And just it was needless and pointless. It was. And it was gratuitous and horrific. And banned by UK censors, by the way, that's not the UK version. Oh, good on them. Good. Uh, my little known fact, <laughs> my grandfather back in the day was kind of a, he was kind of a big deal in the local cockfighting scene. I was very little. I mean, by the, that was when he was young. I was very little when I found out about it, but he was no longer doing it at that point. This had been decades previous. I always hated that. Even when I was little, I hated the sound of it. You know, it just, I never liked the idea and even more so now i hate it but hmm. so that was really hard to watch i mean not for that reason just because but i didn't like that part 
But beyond that, I do really enjoy the film. So I guess I'd say if you have a problem watching stuff like that, then, you know, look, check out the UK version because good on them for ba- for censoring that. Cause it's, it was- it's not overly... I mean, it, they could have made it a lot worse. No, they could have. And I was actually afraid they were going to. And it, it kind of... It stopped before it got to be... I kind of had that morbid fascination when I was watching it. I was seeing if it was real or not. I wanted to know if it was legit or if it was just, you know, the spurs they put on their claws. Were they rubber or metal? Were they actually... And, honestly, I still don't know. No, I don't. There was blood, but it could have been... Stage blood. Stage blood. It could But there been. were several times where you see one chicken kicking the other one. And I'm like, well... You know, spurs or not, those claws got to be doing something. Yeah. It's clear the two chickens were not friends. They were not having a good yeah. time. I just, I don't like putting animals in that situation. No. You know, training them to fight to the death. It's just, there's nothing good about that. But anyway, that's a very minor part of the film. It's just a couple minutes, and it doesn't, you don't actually see any death or anything like no. that. You know, so it could have been a lot worse. It just bothered me. But that's very minor, very, very minor. The rest of the film is totally worth it because it's just that good. And then you just have to keep in mind this was 1965, that sort of thing. I mean, hell, if it were an Italian film, it would have been a whole lot worse. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but um, I thought it was interesting. There was a scene where uh, he took, uh, where Cincinnati Kid took Anne Margaret out, sort of uh, Pulp Fiction style, f- for her husband. And he came home with her. And she hit on him and it, he actually does this thing where he like starts to kiss her and then he puts her arms around his neck, you know, and I was like, oh, like, don't do that. Like, I'm, you're going to really upset me if you do that, because I like this guy. Like, I really loved him and I didn't want him to do anything that would make me hate him. And at the last minute, he reaches down and just slaps her on the ass and then pushes her away. And he's like, haha, you know, and then he walks off. At that moment, I glanced over at Brian, and I don't even know if you're aware you did this, but <laughs> when we were watching that, you were like, you kind of gave it this little smile and nod. <laughs> and I could tell you were at that point, like, you were like, don't make me hate you. Yeah. Don't make me hate you. And then when he did that, you were like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, maybe not thank God, but, you know. And then he went and did what he did later on. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I I do agree that that... The turn that he made was honest. It was a human thing to do. It was a human error to make. And he paid the price for it um, as far as karmically, I guess. Now, he did end up with the girl, but this is also, I mean, you can basic, you could practically hear Tammy Wynette in the background. <laughs> you know, uh, this is uh, during the era of standing by your man, you know, and he's allowed to fuck up because he's just a man. Well, you just remembered that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just, you know, that was the, that was the attitude, you know? It's like, yeah, he fucked up, but eh. Overall, I do really like his character. I think he does have a lot of integrity, and he slips up the one time, and then Karma slaps him like a bitch for it, you know? And that hits hard, and it hit me hard. Like, I just, I was not expecting that. So... I did like him so much that I'm kind of glad that things sort of turned out okay for him. Like, I think he f- paid for what he did. I don't think so. Well, whatever. I just really like Steve McQueen. Oh, yeah. 
No, but this is a fantastic film. I love it. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think this film's great. Like Brian says, masterclass acting. Edward G. Robinson, if you, if you don't know who he is, we, we, we talked about him in the Soiling Green episode quite a while ago. One of the only men that can make me weep in, in a film <laughs> is that, that, that death scene, well, the, the, the euthanizing scene in, in Soiling Green. Oh, God. Yeah. Big fucking crocodile tears out of me for that fucking scene. But he it was a guy that was been acting was acting since the Depression in noir films, and he this the, it was real fun to read the IMDb trivia about this film because he basically said that this wasn't him playing a character; this was him playing him. He he was this person, and that 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 was um that was really fun to know <laughs> that Ever G. Robinson was so into the role that this was the the role that. That was him, and that made me kind of happy that he was this, this kind of smug gambler in a way, or whatever whatever he was going, going on in his life. But I need to read a book about this man because he he's he's been in so many great things and that I've that I have enjoyed. So did you find yourself going, yeah, see, yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I did that a lot, <laughs> a lot. Unfortunately, Cagney wasn't in this film, but I think Carl Malden was a, a taller a second, you know. Of the, the girls, the girls of the Cincinnati Kid were one of my favorite things about it, of course. Not just not just the hotties, but Lady Fingers. Was, oh, was, yeah, was, Joe Blondell. Yeah, she was a great character. Because she, she was right in there with the boys, just like, you know, hamming it up and stuff. And I, 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 really, I really loved that they, in 1965 you had this, you know, this film was... It has a couple of ball busters, but she 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 would be right in there and just like ball busting the fellas, and they didn't mind it because she was like one of the boys in a way. She she was the JJ Salmons of this film, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> she, Yay! She, she didn't mind it at all. But as far as the other ones go, I mean, Anne Margaret's character, I mean, she she was a tempter. She she was a she was a classic sport fucker. She she was she was breaking Carl Malden's balls at every turn, saying you know. Alright, are you gonna are you gonna win money? Is he gonna take money away from you? He's kind of like Bridget Fonda and Jackie Brown. Is it this aisle? Is it this aisle? You know that kind of thing. You know, what do I what do I see? It's favorite scene that Jamie didn't mention. That I think she probably appreciated, but she she didn't say it. Is the part where where Melba is, is filing down the puzzle pieces to make them fit? Oh, I loved that scene. <laughs> just to just to make them fit into her to her little uh, so she could finish the puzzle but not finish the puzzle. Like she's so My willing. favorite bit was when she slammed it into her. He's like, "It doesn't go there," and she slammed it with her fist. And she's like, "Well, it does now." It does now. <laughs> I love. I love. It's like little little stuff like that. Like his relationship with with the little the little hustle boy outside. You know, you're just not ready for yeah. me, kid. You know that kind of thing. And what if he finally loses at the end? You know, spoilers. You know, loses his his shirt. It, it's it's kind of like when he shows up. It's kind of like a fitting ending to the film. Because he kept saying, "You're just not ready for me, kid." When they're doing the, the coin flipping and stuff like that, and it just they they don't belittle their African American characters in this film. They're they're just they're just a just a bigger part as as anybody else in this film. It was fun to see young Cab Calloway doing stuff, you know, and he he was a fun character. Uh, Carl Malden, I mentioned, he, he's always great, but he, he's he's just like that. There's a scene in the film where towards the end, where they 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 find out that Carl Malden is. Juicing the deck, as they say, basically helping the kid cheat, but the kid doesn't want to cheat. The kid has integrity for the for the first time ever against this particular player, and because he's a hustler just like the rest of them. And um, 
I, I, I just don't, I don't totally agree with you, Brian, about, you know, him getting what he deserved, because it's, it's kind of like he, he has this one girl, and like you said, what do you guys said, he went on like a Pulp Fiction type date with, with, um, with Melba, and she's a temptress, and he had a moment of weakness, like, like, like some men do, some, some women do, you know, and I think in the end, you know, Tuesday Weld wasn't like a consolation prize. It was kind of like, like Jamie said, she was like, even though some bad, some some stuff went down, she's not gonna kick a man when he's down. She she's gonna be the be there for him and you know whatever. And that that was yeah, unlike was, um, fucking Gretchen Mall. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> well, she had a reason to Hunting be upset. Face. She had a reason to be upset. Come on, Jamie, you know that now. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. Yes. <laughs> um. Steve McQueen was fine. I read somewhere that they they wanted a much younger person to play this role, and well, I mean, with the name the kid, that mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. Yeah, I loved it. How everybody, the kid, the kid, the kid. He's like, what is he? Forty five? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> who is he? A kid too? Yes, he's younger than Robinson. I give you that. But <laughs> and that 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 end scene was everything you wanted. For for much like in Rounders, everything you wanted in a, in a final scene for a film like this, and just them going toe to toe, and you know, in this case, they had multiple people at the table. Where Rounders, they only had the head to head, you know, type deal. But um, just oh just, man, it was so fun. I was like, he could. I was like, oh, does he have the full house? Does he have the full house? I bet he has the full house. He's got the full house, or he would be out. Yeah. Robinson, what are the odds that he can make that flush? I mean, that straight. Mm-hmm. There's no way in hell. Well, There's okay. no way he can do it. I, he I can't do it. it. It came into play. And then I was, and then the card flipped, and I was just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it came into like, play though, because there's even and that. People are. Oh, I'm sorry. Huh? There's even that scene where he's in, or uh, the kids in bed reading statistics books. You know, just keeping up with you know how, how the cards may fall as far as you know the math yeah. of the deck goes, and it, it all played yeah, real well. Yeah, I mean well. that was fucking bullshit. I mean, and people were like basically slamming him for making the decision he did. And I'm like, what the fuck? Who wouldn't make that decision? Mm-hmm. What are the goddamn odds? That's what they call it gambling, you know. It's, it's, nothing's a sure thing, you know. God it's, damn. Um, <laughs> the New Orleans atmosphere was, was a lot of fun in this movie. And um, I, I really, um, I, lo- I love a lot of scenes in this film. You know, like, like Brian said, it's not something you could, you could point out here and there, but it's just, it's just the little things that came together. Like the way that the players looked at each other, especially in the end, because these these people that play online poker, you know, and like you know stuff like that, it's not the same thing. You you have tells, you have you have looks, and they they all played they all played really well in this movie. You need to have the human component, otherwise, yeah, you might as well just be playing a video game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good stuff, good cast, high recommend. Nineteen sixty-five. Oh yeah, Cincinnati kid, watch that shit. It's good stuff. I will say one more thing, and that is, of these three films, this is the only one that made me want to play poker, that made me Jones to play poker. I tried to get Brian to play poker with me after the movie. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. it was that but I really, really, really wanted to play. Like, it made me want to play. <laughs> that old time it feel to it, huh? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I used to play cards all the time, and I haven't done it in years. And... After watching this movie, I'm like, God, now I really want to play. <laughs> but there's that. Yeah, gotcha. Um, I'll start with Brian. Brian, uh, what is your rating on the film 1 to 10? Uh, I'm going to give it a good solid 8. Fair enough. Uh, Jamie? 
I can't disagree with that. That's what I was going to say. I think that's pretty... I think I'm going to... Yeah, I'll knock it off two points for the cockfighting. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, me, my, me, myself, I, I give it an eight as well. And uh, like I said, I highly recommend if you guys want to check out some some good Steve McQueen where he's not, you know, in an action film. This is this is high drama at its finest. Check it out. Really so, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it for this one. But uh, right when we come back, we're going to discuss 1968's Five Card Stud right after this. <laughs>
have to go, no, no. Same game, five card stud. But when I deal, I like to start with all 52 cards. There's only one thing worse than a crook. That's a clumsy crook. A card sheet is hung, then all hell breaks loose. From the producer who made the sons of Katie Elder and Gunfight at the OK Corral comes another gun-swept story of two giants of the screen. Starring Dean Martin as a hellfire gambler unafraid of bullets or women. Robert Mitchum as a gunfire preacher not afraid of heaven or hell. Six out of six. Can't do better than that. You can only do worse. Oh, no, my shooting was way off. Way off? Six out of six? I was aiming at the spaces in between. Co-starring Inger Stevens. Roddy McDowell. Catherine Justice. No, you know what you are? The most foolish thing in the world. A good woman. What's foolish about it? Well, a good woman has a way of pushing herself up against a man till he forgets she's a good woman. Then she expects to end up married. Well, how else would she end up? Well, with me, she could end up uh, picking hay from the back of her dress. It looks like to me somebody's out to kill every man at that party. An exciting suspense western where the stakes are life and death. That ain't no accident. He's been strangled. A vengeance-crazed killer is on the loose in a gold rush town, murdering the men who lynched a card cheat in a game of five-card stud. <laughs> Every man's life is threatened until no one is beyond suspicion. And the town turns upon itself. Card Stud from 1968. Uh, it stars Dean Martin, Robert Mitchum, Inger Stevens, Roddy McDowell, Yapit Kodo. Oh, and, and if you guys listen to uh, listen to the Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal podcast, one of their favorites, Whit Bissell's in this movie. You know, if you guys know who that is, they they love that guy on that show. But um, uh, plot synopsis is basically. Uh, a players, a players in an ongoing poker game are being mysteriously killed off one by one. That's kind of cheap, IMDb. But basically, <laughs> the beginning of the film, they 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 they're, they're having a game, and somebody is 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 cheating. That the tin horn is cheating, so they take him out for a public hanging. And this is where all their troubles start. 
because after that they start getting killed off one by one, all these people at this poker game. And that's your basic plot line for this entire film. Is it's it's, it's not really a, movie, a film about poker, although the poker is like the, the 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 antagonist, I guess, if you will, of this whole movie, the poker game that took place that caused them to go hang this 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 poor drunk schlub, and again sealed their fates. But it's more it turns into more like a whodunit. So I'll I'll turn this to uh, Jamie and ask her what she thought about it. Okay, well, I'll start right off and say it's not a good movie. I did have some enjoyment while watching it. Like I didn't hate my time with it, but I do have some issues. Um, I kind of jokingly referred to it as an American Jello <laughs> when we were watching this. It almost seems like a slasher prototype, the way these people are being picked off one by one in fairly nasty ways for a film that old. And, you know, but my main issues are one, I don't buy Rodney McDowell as a badass. And in the very first scene, he jumps up and confronts the tin horn and he's like this old like grr. I'm like, oh sit down, Roddy. That's not who you are. You're not now, fooling anyone. No, you're not. Now later on he does just sort of turn into like a whiny brat and he's just a little shit. That I buy. Um but they don't do a very good job of hiding who's behind everything. You've got Robert Mitchum who comes to town all of a sudden and has no other reason to be there as the preacher than just to, surprise, surprise, be the man behind things that are going on. Dean Martin is a professional poker player who is a likable character because he's Dean Martin. I always like Dean Martin. You know, he's jovial and witty and fun, but he's also kind of a dick in this movie when it comes to women. You know, he is basically, I don't even, I don't even understand why there are two women in this movie. I don't get it. I mean, because Dean Martin is such a stud. I know, but it just didn't do anything for the story. The the madam didn't even need to be there. There was no reason for her to be there. Except to make you know, make sure you know that Dean Martin is such a stud. Yeah, and I guess that's the only reason, but it hurt the story is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, okay, it pumped up his character and, you know, he's just, he's a ladies man. But it just was pointless to the story on the whole. And kind of made him look like a jerk because he's got this other girl, this good girl, who's obviously in love with him. And he, I mean, he says to her, you know, you're going to be wanting marriage and I'm not about that, basically. I mean, he's straightforward, sort of. But then... He travels. He says, he says, he he goes where the action is, basically, as far as gambling goes. Yeah, I mean, and he's, he is straight as far as that's concerned, but I just don't see the, I guess... It doesn't make him a bad guy because he doesn't actually lead her on necessarily. No, he's honest. I give him that. <clears throat> I just don't see the point. There is no point as far as this the because movie itself. Dean is Martin. Fun. I know. Yes. I know. I, I'd imagine but, it was in his contract that he got top billing because yes. he does. He did have top billing in this film over Robert Mitchum, which which is wrong. Yeah. He had his theme song playing in the beginning of the film and all the way through. You, you, we mentioned a film. I forget what it was. Oh where, my um, God! The score. Where they? It was just that song, just playing different ways. That score is for the entire film. I guess it was that song. Is just terrible. I mean, it takes some really potentially gruesome, horrifying, dramatic moments and makes them farcical. Like, yeah. starting with the lynching in the beginning. That is not the you don't want you know music playing when you're lynching someone. Might as well play Benny you just Hill. Stepped Yakety yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yakety <laughs> sack. Yeah, yakety sack. Don't do it. We'll get sued. 
If you want to sap every bit of drama that you have out of a scene, use this score because it ruined everything. It completely fucked up the tone of the film. Oh, at least what I feel like the tone of the film should have been. Yeah, yeah, I agree, um, yes. <laughs> um, it's So you've got transparent villains, which <laughs> are... <laughs> Val agrees. Yes. <laughs> which are no surprise at all. You've got this love triangle that doesn't need to be there. You've got Roddy McDowell being not very convincing as this badass guy. <sighs> it just... While I did enjoy a few parts of it a lot of it and i mean a lot of it was completely unnecessary like i can't tell you how many times a scene would take place and brian or i would go well it's a good thing we had that scene well that was totally necessary (laughs) well i'm glad we had that conversation because the dialogue was shitty 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 and by the way the screenplay for this was written by a woman and some of the worst dialogue was from the women i'm like what the fuck are you doing lady (laughs) <laughs> it was just I was not happy with that. But you know, it it was alright. <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, two good movies and a, and a kind of an okay movie, so but, uh, <laughs> but with that we're gonna switch to Brian. What do you think, sir? Calling this movie kind of okay is being way too generous. <laughs> this is the type of western that killed westerns for decades to come. It's just it's it's cheap, it's cheesy, it's nonsensical. Uh, Jamie mentioned the music. It cannot be stressed enough how bad it is. Just how misplaced it is. The whole time, everything is bouncy and, you know, bright and la 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 la. Yet this is a movie about an innocent man being hung. Not even properly hung. Strangled hung. That's about as hard way to go as there is. And then somebody else getting, you know slasher slash ha jallo vengeance and killing these people one at a time in some of them pretty vicious ways although some of them are kind of stupid like when he strangles somebody from behind i like to know how that works but hey whatever um (laughs) or suffocating someone in a barrel of flour (laughs) how do you suffocate somebody just breathe blow it out of your mouth you'll be fine it wasn't it wasn't like a silo of flour. <laughs> it's like he took a handful of flour and threw it on his face. Oh, God, I'm dead. Well, I think he actually held, held him, him in upside the barrel. down yeah, in the barrel. Yeah, I know, but I like my version better. I must make a confession. I am not a huge fan of Dean Martin as an actor, simply because in every role, in every part, he's Dean Martin. Yes. Yeah, he is. But I like Dean Martin. Well, well, I mean... Not so much real so, Bravo, I don't think. No, no he kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> like, even uh, Jamie mentioned we just recently watched The Sons of Katie Elder. He's the same character in there as he is here. I mean, legit, straight up, he's another, you know, kind of smooth gambling guy. That's what I do. I mean, every time I see yeah, him on... Yeah, he's a hustler. And yeah. Then he's... Every time I see him on screen, I expect him to have a, you know, a... a glass of brandy and start breaking into Valari at any time, any moment. Well, the, the, only, just, time, the only time he actually emoted in the movie is like towards the tail end where he, he was going to go have the final showdown with, with Robert Mitchum and he, he, he basically says, if I'm not back by a certain time, put that chair up with the rest of them because he has that, that scene where he's dealing the cards to the dead people that aren't yeah. there. 
And so that's the only time. Yeah, he I actually, actually like that scene. He actually emoted in that scene, I guess if you call it. Okay, uh, so he got one. <laughs> he got one, yes. And I don't think he wasn't annoyingly bad. It wasn't like, oh, get off the screen, grr. It's just the only movies I ever liked Dean Martin in are the Matt Helm films because those seem like they were written for Dean Martin. I mean, he, the Matt Helm super spy, is essentially Dean Martin. Whereas here, he's supposed to be a you know a cowboy kind of guy, and he just he he no sells it the whole way through. I never believe he is some old west, you know, sly slick cowboy. And then oh yeah, he can also shoot like the devil, and it's just like uh, I just don't see that. Uh, Mitchum was good. I, I he was missing his love and hate written on his hands, but. Yes. Uh, <laughs> They even, I say, they, they even say in the trivia that it's almost that he's pretty much going for the same character from Night of the Hunter. It is very obvious that he liked what he did there, and this is what he's going to do again. But you know, I liked what he did there, so I was happy to have him I reprise mean, he's good it. Good at that, yeah. Um, Roddy McDowell as the bad guy? No, 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 no. Roddy is awesome in many things. He's great in uh, Legend of Hill House. He is amazing. Fright Night. In Fright Night. He is damn good in Planet of the Apes. He is way miscast here. Never once is he frightening or threatening or intimidating. Even with a Colt 45 in his hands, it's just like, oh, come on, put that down. Who are you fooling? <laughs> well, and then they have that whole conversation. You're not going to run me. He's going to run you. He's going to run me. Yeah. Run me. He'll be running. You'll run We'll run each other. That, you know? That's some of that scintillating dialogue you were talking about. <clears throat> I mean, basically, he's arguing with his sister. So that's how much of a badass he is. <laughs> his sister I liked. She uh, she had like a weird Betty Page thing going on, and I, I'm partial to that. Um, what else? So honestly, just there wasn't a whole lot for me anyways to enjoy here. I think I checked the runtime on it three different times while it was going. That's never a good sign. You were fidgety. I was you fidgety. Were up and moving around. Yes, that's not a good sign. Um, he was making a sandwich. <laughs> you know, I mean, how many times? I mean, we had a lot of filler in this film. How yes. many times did we have to visit the barber shop for him to yes. get some miscellaneous and for just, twenty bucks? Which, which is way, way overpriced for back then. Yeah, it is. I mean, hell, even the shave was overpriced yeah. for back then. Nobody paid a dollar a shave. That pussy had then. to be platinum plated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And, I mean, at the heart, this is a good idea. I, You know, somebody, it's basic slasher stuff. It's basic jowl stuff, as we both said. It's, you know, somebody did something wrong. Now here comes some unknown grim avenger. And uh, you got to figure out who is doing what. And what their connection is to the first guy, except it's so painfully obvious here that all that any amount of joy or suspense or mystery that could be had there is just non-existent. So then you're just sitting around waiting for them to, you know, check each box and you're already 30 yards ahead of the race. Just going, come on, catch up. Come on, come on, come on. Let's do this. Come on. And it's in no hurry to get there. It's just kind of hemming and hawing and dragging its feet. So, uh, yeah, I was not a fan. Yeah, with, with this one, you know, I, I'm not even going to say like Yoga Hosers because I, I apologize for this film because this is a first time watch for me because I had watched Yoga Hosers before we reviewed it. But this, it was it was okay. It, it, it wasn't great. Like, like I'm saying, it's, it's sort of okay. 
But a lot of the points you guys touch on is, is very, very true. <laughs> Ronnie McDowell, I, I think it's not the fault of the character. It's the fault of the person they hired to play the character. Yes. Because it, it's, it's like, you, you know Ronnie McDowell from fucking my friend Flicka. Him and a fucking horse <laughs> being friendly and stuff. And he's never played the heavy. And it, it's terribly shown in this film because, like Brian said, he becomes like a little whiny bitch. Like, especially towards the end. And I, I, there's one scene I particularly like with him where, where he's, I forget who he's talking to. But he's describing his experience at his mother's funeral. And this just, like, shows the personality and why the way he is. So there was there was that scene that kind of solidified why this character is the way he is. But then again, you got that one scene where he, of all people, figures out that Robert Mitchum is the guy that, that's, that's murdering all these people. And there, there, there should be a point in the film where you realize, I was at this poker game too, and he's going to fucking come back and kill me. Why would you not shoot him in the back when he walked away? If, if, if you're so afraid that this guy, or you're, you're, he's, his character is very cocky as it is, but I would have shot him in the back and said, you know, okay, this is done. I guess I'm not going to die today. You know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that was really stupid. I love, yeah, I love, why confront him? Yeah, and do nothing I mean, with and, it. And you know what? And that would totally fit the sniveling cowardice of his character. Well, he had this whole someone in the back. He had this whole plan of feeding him one person at a mm-hmm. time to make sure he killed them. Yeah, but he planned to kill him at that last meeting. It's like you know what? Like, and, but he just flat out told him he was going to kill him. Yeah. So why not just wait for him to turn around and walk away? But but then again, he's so selfish in in, in the character that he he would rather him go kill the black guy first before he coming back to try to kill him. You know. But he, he didn't yeah. count, he didn't count on that Derringer in the Bible though, which I thought was badass. You know that was cool. That was a good moment. <laughs> Let me read some scriptures here for you, and then the reveal at the end, like where the last showdown between him and um, Dean Martin. You do a lot of reading upside down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty great. You know, because I, I I caught it. I was like, how's this gonna work? You know, and then all of a sudden he had that that not really a throwaway line, but the fact that he was perceptive enough to catch it. You do a lot of reading upside down. You know. That, that was that was pretty great, and um, there, there's not a lot of great stuff about this film. I thought you got a, a lot out of a young Yafit Kodo in this movie, as far as... Oh, yeah, I liked him a lot. Yeah, I, I always like him, but the, the fact that he was so young here, this is probably one of his first things ever. You got a lot out of him. Um, mm-hmm. But did anybody buy that clue business at the end? When Yafit Koto gets his... Oh, the praying hand? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was a little overdramatic, yes. <clears throat> yes. And it just seemed like one hell of a leap of logic that luckily uh, Dean Martin was able to do. <laughs> but and, yeah. Oh. Well, because they did have that conversation that earlier. That he wouldn't about pray me. to anyone. I get that, yeah. but still. I mean, hell, the one woman who knew Koto's character the best, she's like, look at him, he was begging, that's horrible. And Dean Martin, no, not begging. And he would just, never beg. Yeah. Yeah. But he would never pray. I don't know. I just don't understand that that would immediately signify he's trying to tell me something. Hey, there's a lot of... But maybe, maybe, I, I don't want to give this film too much credit because there's a lot of throwaway stuff in here. But maybe that's how Dean Martin figured it out, I guess. I don't know. But the, the, the point the point in time where the, the whole idea with Roddy McDowell, though, just not shooting him in the back drove me crazy because he's that kind of sniveling character... Yeah, that would, that would shoot somebody in the back as soon as they turn around. Like I figured you out, and guess what? You want to kill me? I'm going to kill you first. Because he, he even he even has a line in there where he says, "When it comes down to you or me, it's going to be me or 
whatever the line was, but he basically said that when it comes down to you or me, it's going to be me. And if it was going to be him, and he knows this guy has intentions on killing him, why not get it over with? And that 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 drove me nuts. And like Brian said, like Brian was doing, I was I was checking the clock because that that hurt you that. Hurley Burley score, which you know, I, I, it doesn't say it in the IMDb uh, stuff about him having certain liberties with the film, but I'd imagine he had a real Joan, Joan Crawford situation here where he had a lot of liberties with top billing and how often this song was used and that this song was used in the beginning and the end and in the score for fuck's sake. It's like watching Transformers the Western and Lincoln <laughs> Park was doing the whole soundtrack, you know, and. For, for that, it's, 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 it's kind of like, like lip service to Dean Martin. To the, he's not playing a badass character, because he's kind of humble, so I'll, I'll give him that, that the character himself knows who he is, that's why he turns down Roddy McDowell's sister, basically saying, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm everywhere, you know, I don't have time for these kind of relationships. He's a real wham-bam, thank you, man, I'm sure, kind of guy, and it's, um... So in that way, that the character is not as reprehensible as 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 you guys are talking about all the way, but he's pretty he's pretty shitty. But but um, the film itself, it's it's kind of they could have trimmed it by fifteen minutes. I think they would have improved things. And um, I don't know where that would be. I guess some of some of the some of the the barbershop action. I guess because they got cause they got cut out. Yes. <laughs> Any of the chunks of shitty dialogue. I mean, I'm talking. There were some really shitty dialogue. Some banter. That was to no end. You didn't need it, mm-hmm. and it was bad. It wasn't clever. It wasn't you know witty. It was just shitty. Yeah, <laughs> witty, witty, shitty, shitty, witty. So take out some of that because yeah. there was some really crap conversation going on in this film. Yes, I'm just like I don't know. I want to look up this Marguerite chick and see if she ever wrote anything else because I doubt it. <laughs> but um. I'm, I'm on, we're going to end it here, basically. I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter to Jamie. Jamie, what do you rate the film? I did get some enjoyment out of this, mostly in an ironic way. <laughs> like, um, we... I was making fun of it a lot, basically. Gotcha. So I'll give it a four for that. Fair enough. But really, as far as technicalities go, this is not a good film. Yeah. Brian? I'm a fan of westerns. I really, truly, deeply love them. I did not like this film. It hurt me. Um, And I was mostly just bored by it. There were some fun moments to be had here, but almost in spite of this film, not because of it. So because of those little moments of levity, I'll give it a three, maybe. A three, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm right with Jamie with the four. It's it's not unwatchable. I've watched a lot of films that that are unwatchable. but I never wanted to turn it off. No. I did. <laughs> like I said, the Roddy McDowell thing—they—they—they they, they, they made some poor, poor, uh, some poor choices in this film. I think Roddy McDowell—and I hate to say that about Roddy McDowell—but he was a poor choice in this film to, to to play this role. And I think that it hurt the film that he was kind of like the sniveling, whiny bitch instead of him trying him trying to play the heavy the best he can. He just he just can't do it. He just can't play the heavy. And yeah, yeah. that 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 hurt the film. You know, because he's in it. He's in it a lot and talking a lot. <laughs> and you don't buy any of it. You don't buy any of it, and that 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 hurts. That hurts the film and all the stuff we mentioned. But yeah, four out of ten. Uh, 
if you want to check it out, you want to hear a jaunty tune, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles did it better by putting their jaunty tune throughout the film because they did it for laughs, and that's that's always good, you know. Um, with that, that's the end of this review. But next, and I'm very excited about this. Talk about this film from 1998. We're going to talk about Rounders. Right for this. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror. And we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's gonna be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for the ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network, where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia! Ah, ah, ah. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this? No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history all popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Uh, what's the limit here? That's twenty dollars. Good. Okay. It's twenty. You've seen half the hand. How the hell are you betting into us? We know what we're holding, and we know what you're holding. The hell you know what we all have. <laughs> uh, well, you were looking for that third three, but you forgot that Professor Green folded it on Fourth Street, and now you're representing it. You have it. The DA made his two pair, but he knows they're no good here. And Mr. Eisen is just futilely hoping that his queens are going to stand up. <laughs> this might Take it down. All right. Take a seat next to me. I can't. I can't. I don't play cards. Get out of here. How can I concentrate with you looking like that? For the last two years, Mike McDermott has been doing the sensible thing. But his best friend just got out of jail. I can't believe you still know someone called Worm. He's like my brother. You domesticated yourself for this girl. And needs someone to lean on. I need money. I gotta put some scratch together, man. I consolidated your outstanding debt. 25 grand and still running. What I did was go partners with an old friend of yours. We do what we used to do, man. You find the games, you scout them. I sit and I mop them up. 
Michael McDermott. I knew you'd be back. Last night, I sat down at that table, and I felt alive. My blood was bubbling, my skin was tingling. I was James Colburn in The Magnificent Seven throwing knives. Hold on there, sir. Whoa! The guy's a cheat. Right now, he's ruining your reputation. If you don't give my money, then you are mine. I vouched for the wrong guy, so now it's on me. But I can't stay for this. For what? To watch you go all in again. We can't run from ourselves. Our destiny chooses us. Deal. Matt Damon, Edward Norton, John Turturro, John Malkovich, Gretchen Maul, Famke Janssen, and Martin Landau. Rounders. Rounders from 1998. Oh, what, what can I say about this film? It, it stars, I, I think, the great Matt Damon. I, I haven't seen anything, even the small stuff, that, I, I, that I've not enjoyed Matt Damon in. And um, Edward Norton in his prime is in this movie. Uh, the bitchy Gretchen Mole, as as Jamie so four four went in the, the the beginning of this one of these reviews. I forget which one, but you know, she doesn't like it very much in this movie. Uh, John Turturro, John Malkovich, oh, so, so many great people. I, and Martin Landau, who I talked extensively about this film with. And, you know that 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 was fun conversation. Could we talk about anything else with Martin Landau? I want to talk about Rounders because it's one of those films that it becomes on cable. At any point, I could watch it to the end. And I can't say that about a lot of films because I need I need that vilification in the final scene we're going to talk about. You know, you know what? I lo- I bet people at conventions just love talking to you because you always bring up the most random shit. <laughs> that's 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 my old man. It'll be like know? the it'll be like the movie they least expect anyone to ask them about, and that's the one you're going to talk about. And it's probably a good thing, you know, because then they're not talking about the same stuff over and over and over again. Martin Landau talked about Ready to Rumble, this film, and Twilight Zone, and not much else. Because wow. this, this film took up a lot of my time with Martin Landau. I, I thought he was pretty, even though his, his role is kind of minimal in the film, he was he was pretty great as well. But uh, I'm excited, but I'm, I'm going to push it to Brian and see what he thinks about Rounders. I dig it. It's, well, I guess I'm going to say it. It's my favorite of the three. There, spoilers. Um... I've always liked this film. I am a fan of Matt Damon. I know it's hard. Like, if you pick an actor who is known for being a pretty boy or something, everybody thinks, oh, they just get by on their looks because they're a pretty boy. Uh, I don't care what the guy looks like. I usually end up liking everything I see from him. I'm sure there's some stuff out there he's done I haven't liked, but I can't think of it right now. And then there's Edward Norton, who is the man. Or at least he used to be. He doesn't do much anymore. But he's another one that he is just solid. Or I should say consistently solid. He's bankable. You know what you're going to get from him. I have heard he's kind of a dick in real life. But I don't care. I'm not watching his real life story. I'm watching him play a character. And he plays it exceptionally well. I love his character in here. He's a bit scummy. He's a bit of a fuck up. But. They're not ridiculous about it. You know, he's not throwing his friends under the bus, or at least not all the way under the bus. Um, He's not bumbling or just constantly, oh, I did it again. I mean, he is an albatross to hang around Matt Damon's neck. That's his His, purpose for this His cross to bear. I I have many friends like that that are my cross to bear. Exactly, and that's, that's believable. That's, you know, that's honest. Everybody has that one friend. You're just like, dude, just stop. Just, just shut up. 
go away, I'll handle this, and they can't do it, and then you usually end up in a fight, or maybe that's just my friends. Um, but it's the one character in this film I really don't care about is Gretchen Maul's character. Uh, she seems too easy to go from zero to cunt in like a moment's notice. Uh, her whole relationship with Matt Damon, and I can understand where she's coming from, and I do get that. But whereas in Cincinnati Kid, I think the girlfriend there was a bit too forgiving and a bit too stand by your man ish. There wasn't an ounce of that in Gretchen Mole's character. She was just she was she was ready to flip and say, you know what, fuck you at a moment's notice. And I'm like, damn. And so when Matt Damon's finally like, screw it, let's just start playing cards. I'm like, damn straight, you go play those cards. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Martin Lando was great in here. He has a small role, but it's a very human role. I mean, he is the heart. He's the soul of this film. Uh, and then, of course, there is Malkovich, who is wonderful in here, except for his accent, which is pretty damn bad. But that makes it even more wonderful. I just want to hear him talk. I want to hear him say, give this man his money. I just, <laughs> I don't know what he was going for. That certainly wasn't Russian, but, you know, God bless him. I like that he is the, the villain, the antagonist, but with the code of honor, even at the end. You know, they didn't overly vilify him, but you know he's a threat. You know, you can tell by basically the reaction of everybody else. Whenever they and I love his nickname KGB. Whenever they mention KGB, people just shit their pants. Like, oh, whoa! I didn't know it was him. Sorry, my, my, my bad. My bad. Don't don't hurt me. And yet he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to flex. He doesn't have to threaten. He just is. He is who he is, and he's a bad motherfucker. But he doesn't have to remind you of that. And I like that. That's that's my kind of villain. When they can just walk in a room and everybody goes, uh oh. And he doesn't have to lift a finger. He doesn't have to chew the scenery. So the, he just is. The classic goader. I, I, I love the part where he humps the air. Yeah. So that leaves you yeah. down for the last time I stick it to you? You know, I, I love that. <laughs> um, I, we watched this film first, and then we followed it up with uh, Dean Martin's flick. And uh, when we started The Cincinnati Kid, I was like, well, hell, easily the most poker of the game, or I'm sorry, the most poker of the films is going to be Rounders. And I think the pokerness of both this and Cincinnati Kid are about equal, which is good because if you're going to make that an integral part of your film, make it matter. You know, have mm-hmm. have a reason this is a card-playing film front and center. I actually think there are a lot of similarities between Cincinnati Kid and Rounders. Yeah, I could see that. Well, I'm sure it's not an accident. No, no, of course not. I was actually going to say when we were talking about Cincinnati Kid, then I decided to wait till we got to Rounders. <laughs> that I think it was inspired by, yeah, or something. I mean, I it, there's, I don't know. I can feel like the bones of it in there. Well, and there's also I there's Matt Damon and his wonderful ego, where yeah, it, it does write some checks he can't cash, and then even up until the end, he just he really wants to take KGB down, and it's more. One part is, well, he has to. He's in a, a tough spot, and he needs X number of dollars, 15000 I think. Um, and he's short, so he ha- has to do this. But even once he gets it, like you were saying, he's goaded into doing the whole double or nothing. Um, he literally has his life in his hands, and he gambles it. 
the one thing I didn't much care about this movie, it's a slight thing, but Matt Damon's assistant about gambling and it's it's a science, it's an art, you know, luck doesn't, you know, come into it at all. And no, it does, because unless you're psychic and you can somehow telepathically control what cards you're going to get, there is going to be some luck involved. Yes, you can also study the game, and this guy is a student of the game. Everything he does is you know, researching the game, knowing mm-hmm. the game. When he's at home alone, he's watching videos of the World Championship of Poker uh, just to see how people read each other. And essentially, that's this movie. It's all about knowing your opponent and psyching them out and guessing the tells and you know being able to play them. And in that regards, I get the whole idea that, yeah, luck doesn't fall into that part of it but there's still something to be said about i don't care how good you are at the mind games you get dealt a shitty hand you get dealt a shitty hand and sometimes somebody's gonna call you on it yes but other than that one thing where because they just went a little bit too much on about it with him like there's no luck involved you know why do you think the same five people keep going to the world series of poker all the time it's just okay i get it it takes a lot of skill but there's also luck hate to tell you anyways that's really the only beef I have with this film. Um, it is a very much a almost like a post Tarantino type of crime drama where everybody is very familiar with this seedy underworld. You know, they're all known to each other, and the violence isn't front and center. It's not like people are getting taken out to the alley and you know given two in the head and or whatever. But there is that threat underneath. That this is dangerous. This is this is crime. And there's some people you just don't mess with. And I like how that's done here. So like, yeah, te- I like, like teamsters. Lo- yeah, like teamsters. <laughs> They'll fuck you up, so, Jack, yeah. cheat cards. <laughs> I, uh, I I love the part where they're playing with the cops and all that. They're the municipal boys. Yeah. <laughs> well they work for the city. They work for the state, asshole. <laughs> So, yeah, I dug it. Uh, JB. Oh, I really love this movie. Even though Cincinnati Kid is the one that made me want to play poker, I do think this is the best film of the three. Yeah, and it's my favorite. I love Matt Damon as well. I love Edward Norton. Oh, my God, I wish he did more. I'm with you. I don't really care if he's an asshole. I just want to see him act. Yeah, I don't you know? want to hang out with him in real life. I just want him to see him do his job. I love John Malkovich. He is probably my only sticking point with this film. He is known for going over the top. I don't even know if I can think of a role in which he didn't go over the top. Hell, he even went over the top when he was playing himself. But, And I generally love him for that. But this time, I just feel like it was a little too much. It was a little too hokey. See, I, I honestly think this was him turned down. Because normally he's going through scenery like a wood chipper. Here, mm. other than his ridiculous accent, I think he played it. He downplayed it. Eh, well, all right. I mean, that's I how I read it. But, but you know, I do like his character. I like the fact that he is an honest gangster. If that makes like, <laughs> I mean, he he's like, no, he beat me fair and square. You know, so give that man his money. Give that man his money. <laughs> Um, he, he beat me. That's his money. Give it to him. I like that. Yeah. You know, when he's surrounded by his people, they could take him out if they want to. Oh yeah. They could make Matt you Damon know? disappear in a heartbeat. But he doesn't do that because he has honor and 
I can get behind that. I have a great deal of of Matt Damon's of respect for Matt Damon's character in this film. He has a lot of honor. He has a lot of integrity. He wants to play it straight. You know, he can go in with Ed Norton and run their game and fuck people up. And he does on occasion, you know, but just for a lark or whatever. But for the most part, when there's no challenge involved, when he's just fucking with people who don't need to be at the tables anyway. But when he's doing it for real, he wants to do it straight. And that's because he's challenging himself. And I can get behind that. I can dig that. I love anyone and I respect anyone who has skill in what they do. And that includes being a criminal. If you are a criminal in some respect, but you are really good at what you do, there's a certain amount of respect I have for you, you know, because it's, you know, if you're going to do something, that's why I love heist films, like the really good heist films, you know, where it's all intricate and complicated and, and, but everyone is really good at their one job and everyone has a job and they fucking kill it. I love those guys. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he's really good at what he does. And I respect him for that. As far as uh, Gretchen Maul, I can understand why she's upset because he lost a shit ton of money in one fell swoop. And it was due to his own hubris. And then he kind of lied to her a couple times about what he was doing. But mainly that was because he knew she'd be pissy about it because she wasn't supportive. It's not like he consistently lost all their money and they're living in a hovel. And she's, you know, working 16 hour days as a waitress to keep them afloat. And he keeps blowing their money on gambling. That's not their life. No. He is a law student. He's a good law student. He pays for his tuition. They have a really nice apartment. She's a law student as well. They're not exactly destitute. So one fucking time, he loses a bunch of money that you know if you allow him to do what he's really good at doing, he's going to get it back in no time because he's really fucking good at doing it. That's his, that is what he's cut out to do. That is his passion. And he's good at it. I have always been about supporting people in their passion as long as it's something that they are good at, you know, and they're really, it's not hurting them or you to do it. I mean, if this was a case where they were on welfare because of his habit, that'd be one thing, but that is not their life. And so this is something he's clearly so incredibly passionate about. And he has these goals. He wants to go to the world series of poker and I believe he will get there. And All she needs to do is support him a little bit. You know, you can still support someone and say, hey, tone it down. Remember, we have to live, you know, try to try to cap it off. And let's discuss some ground rules about how much money you're going to put on the line. You can have those discussions. Those are adult discussions. You can have them, you know, because it is her life, too. But try to be a little bit supportive of something that, you know, someone loves doing. You know, she really pissed me off. I just didn't like her at all. And when she left, I was fucking happy. And I turned to Brian and I said, do you think she's right? And he goes, oh, hell no. And I was like, well, good. Because I hated her. I just didn't like her at all. And um, I guess maybe she realized that they just wanted different things. And that's okay. But fucking have the balls to talk to somebody, to tell somebody. Walk out on somebody and take your shit and not even tell them. That is such a pussy move. That... That is what drove home my hatred right there. It's like, be a fucking woman and tell him you're leaving his ass if you can't take it anymore. If you really don't want to live like this, if this is the end of it for you, if you cannot support him in something he loves doing and you just don't want to deal with it anymore, then have the balls, the lady balls, 
or whatever you want. I don't know. Whatever somebody's not going to get pissed at me for saying. If you, if you <laughs> lady balls, she have took, the she, courage. She, she took the man's sheets. God damn it! <laughs> yes, she did. Have the courage to tell him to his face. I can't stand that shit. So there's that. And Ed Norton, I love him. He is a lovable fuck up. He is a fuck up, and he is that friend. And I've had that friend. I had to finally shake that friend loose after a very long time. You know, it gets to the point where you finally decide you just can't deal with that anymore in your life. And so I understand that. And I understand their dynamic. But he's the kind of fuck up that you can't help but love still because he's just, I don't know. I mean, he's a fun guy, even if he does get you in trouble a lot. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is a fucking great movie. I haven't seen it in years, so I was excited to watch it again. I'm so glad we did. And if anybody out there hasn't seen it, then I recommend you check it out. I couldn't recommend it any stronger. Yeah, me, myself, you know, if I haven't exuded my love for this film on social media and on this show, then I'm not trying hard enough, apparently. But I I love, the only weak part about this film to me... (laughs) Is the Adam Durrett song at the end of it okay? And, and I, I love I love the dialogue in the film. It's a very dialogue-driven film, uttered by incredible characters. Uh, the poker game of life. The woman is the rake. Well, in this case, this bitch was the rake, and Worm was right all along, according to Jamie Jenkins. I mean, Jamie Sammons. I mean, I'm sorry, but um, she she was the rake, and there, there, there's there's so many. I, I, nobody mentioned Grandma. I think Grandma is is um, Teddy KGB's id, because he's just that mean bastard who 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 was in the right. I, mean, I love I love the scene. I don't I don't love animal abuse, but there's a scene in the film where they go try to negotiate with Grandma to to you know we're gonna pay you so much now. This and the other. Of course, Worm opens his big fucking mouth, and you know the cold can of worms opens up again. Like there's there's a part where the I guess the dog is is pissing on the floor taking a shit on the floor, and he's just staring at this dog like you got to catch him in the act, and he just pounds this poor dog for shitting on the floor, but in a way, that's that's almost that's almost I don't know the right thing to do, but just shows you that 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 part of his character, which you know basically tells you these these two guys Worm and Worm and Mike that there's consequence for your action. Don't come in here, you know, running your mouth, you know, because Worm Worm is a is a constant jackass. I, I love him. The, the first time you see Worm, he's he's playing poker's with the brothers in the, in, in the prison, and he doesn't he doesn't smoke the cigarettes, but at the same time, you know, learn learn the lesson that you know, if you gamble, you're gonna lose. Why should I let you keep the cigarettes? You'll learn nothing from it. But at the same time, Worm doesn't learn anything, obviously either. He's trying to get that that bankroll up. So he can pay, pay his debt. Um, Worm is great. Everybody's great in this movie. Even, I think the realest guy in the film is the John Turturro character, uh, Joey Kanish. Because, you know, he, he he helps Mike out when he's down. But at the same time, he, he, he has impassioned dialogue with Matt Damon, basically telling him he's been where he, you, you, where he was. This is why he kind of looks out for him. To say, you know, just... You gotta cut this guy loose, and you know this out of the other. You gotta cut these 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 poisons out of your life. With you know <laughs> the woman too, apparently. But um, I, I love that. I love that character for that. Almost like the father figure that he he may may or may not have. They really don't mention his relationship with his father in this film. But Kanish plays like that that happy medium that says you know 
you know, I've seen you down before. I've been where you're at. Maybe it's time to, to grow up just a little bit, you know, and cut these, these bad things out of your life. Um, there's some pretty powerful female characters in this film. I think that Petra's a great character, the, the Fam, Famke Johnson character in this film. Again, it's really minimal, but, you know, the, the, the role she plays is pretty great because she's seen these gamblers come and go, and she's pretty pretty sure of herself, and she's looking out for Mike as far as Worm goes. Everybody's looking out for Mike except for Mike, and that, that's that, that's kind of a, a strange thing, a strange uh, flaw of, of this movie, that he doesn't see that all these folks are looking out for him. He just keeps on going for that brass ring, which, in a way, you know, is, is him helping his friend. I mean, he. You mentioned that this is a lot like Cincinnati Kid, and Edward Norton has that that great throwaway line. You know, it's just, it's, it's just like uh, Steve McQueen in The Great Escape. He always doubles back for a friend. You know, I've seen this movie far too many times. Like I said, I watch it all the time, so I won't I won't bore you guys with too many quotes. But um, yeah, they also both have Turkish baths. Yes, they both <laughs> they both have Turkish baths. I swear, this shit was on purpose. Yes. <laughs> I'd imagine it was. Yeah, I'd imagine it was. Uh, who who else shows up in this? It, it, it's it's everybody shows up and everybody gives great performances. I, I I love I love the scene where they they go they go to uh, Atlantic City, I guess, because they're they're in New York City. I guess Atlantic City would be the closest uh, gambling town towards them, and they 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 just all friends at the table, and then the, then then the. The schlubs show up, and you know I love the the speech and the 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 line. If if you can't spot the sucker for the first the first thirty minutes of the, of the game, then you're the sucker. I, I love that because they're just they're just having a good time, just watching these mows come up and just taking them down one by one. And because they're technicians, they're all technicians. Lenny Clark shows up in this film. Josh Mostel shows up in this film, and they're all they're all buddies, and it shows. Uh, Mike McShane is there, isn't he? Mike McShane is there as well, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's so much. And I, 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 there's so much love about this film because it, it's almost like it doesn't. It doesn't like hit you with like see what happens here. Kind of like it, it, Brian mentioned, like the, the the loss at the end is retribution for wh- whatever happened with with Anne Margaret. But th- this film is all, all about loss and coming back up again and. The, the meaning the the meaning of how deep the word friendship can go because <laughs> worm who eventually disappears at the end of this movie to where where you get the great the great showdown the great second showdown after Mike has lost everything to Teddy KGB he goes back for more and Teddy KGB just just talking to those Oreos you know such such a character but like you just said the accent's kind of wonky but I think that that he was almost going for cartoony in a way, you know. I, I don't know. I can't explain these things, but just just the moment well, he where he nailed it. Yeah, he nailed it. Yeah, where he's he's watching watching the poker. He's watching Johnny Chan. He finally figures out, and then he tells a story about he how he went to bat with Johnny Chan, and he he won. He did. He, he this this is not something he wanted to brag about because nobody would believe him. But then that that was the tell. The, the, again, the tells he figured out KGB. How to beat KGB's ego and then beat him at his own game with a chick, 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 chick. I, I love, I love when he loses his mind, and that, that that's not a great, that's great. And the great final scenes, this and Cincinnati Kid, I think, are up to par than, than anything else. Because as as far as the final showdown goes together, I think it's both they're both pretty great. And I think the respect, the respect that was there, like Brian mentioned, because. If anything, Grandma is, is Teddy KGB's id. 
he's the muscle, but at the same time, KGB and, and Mike, they, they, they have mutual respect for each other and their talent for the game. That's why at the end, you know, he, he didn't pull a cowardly move on him and just said, you know, the game is done, you know, he outplayed me, you know, give, give the man his money, he says, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, that's great. I, that's great that, that you know, there's, there's, there's lots of stuff in here that I enjoy. The funny stuff is great. The dramatic stuff is great. Martin Landau, I mentioned, is, like, I doubt he worked a long time on this film, but he, the, the, the stuff that he gave was, was, was pretty phenomenal. Again, he, Mike has many father figures in this movie, and Judge Petrovsky was one of them, and he gives that great impassioned speech about how his parents were, 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 were flabbergasted that he wanted to be a lawyer instead of a rabbi, and they disowned him for this, and that that was important, I think, to to, to Mike to to hear. And there's nothing there's nothing throwaway in this film, and that's my favorite thing about it. You know, it's it's one of the best films I I know about. Not so much love, but like loss and friendship. You know how far a friendship can go, and just 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 the human condition. And I I think that's why I keep going back to it all this time. But uh, that's that's my schmeal on rounders, man. I'm gonna stick to All Brian. right. Yeah, right. I'm gonna stick it to Brian and say, "What's your rating, sir?" I'll give you. Some, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going for another Malkovich. Uh, I'll give it a nine. It is a thoroughly enjoyable film from start to finish. Um, wonky accents and Gretchen Mull bitchiness uh, aside, it's just one hell of a film, and I really liked it. Cool, Jamie. I'll go a little bit higher and say 9.5. Uh, maybe knock off half a point for Malkovich being just a little too over the top. <laughs> but um, really, I have nothing to complain about here. Cool. Uh, this is... Do you need me to say that again? No, I, I, that's, that's fine. It was just slightly echoey. You're good. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Because Fester stepped on the... <laughs> Bastard um, No. Anyway, yeah, this is... Uh, Fucking fantastic film. Nearly perfect. Really, really good. Um, I'm going to give this film a 9.9 because it loses that point for, for, for the Adam Duritz song at the end, which is fucking terrible. But, you know... <laughs> so, Adam Duritz, you, you ruined a perfectly, almost perfect film. You fucking cry-dancing motherfucker. Ugh. Jamie, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> But uh, with that, we're going to come back after this and close out the program. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host, Duncan McLeish, and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic, old-school horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under the Stairs, signing off. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen.
Holmes. That ghoul friend of mine makes me so crazy. She told me she thought she'd look good in something long and flowing. So I threw her in the Mississippi. Are you seeking discussion of horror on the small screen? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast. Join your hosts, Mike Merriman, Brian Sammons, Jamie Sammons, and a large variety of guests as we break down all the favorites and not-so-favorites in horror TV. So grab a snack. Oh, wow! And of course, be sure to grab... And join us for Evil Episodes Podcast on the Horror Feeling Network and Legion Network of Podcasts. All right, um, Brian, you really stepped up to the plate, sir, and I, I think we had a really good show with you on here, man. And I thank you. Sorry, had to take care of something. That's okay. Um, well, thanks for having me. I had a ball, as always. And yeah, uh, two out of three films were damn good, so hey, that's something. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely something, you know. Um, you have anything you want to push, sir, that uh, you can get the killed folks to listen to? Yes, I do. You were all upset about authors not pushing their stuff, so let me... Uh, take advantage of that well i wasn't upset you know they 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 they, they, they want to sell their books they can sell their books but you know it's just annoying that they look so like 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 tired children <laughs> well <laughs> let me uh i have two anthologies that are just going to be right around the corner um both of them are going to crowdsourcing campaigns kickstarter to be specific um One's coming from one publisher, the other's from another. I didn't plan it that way for them to be so close together, but hey, that happens. Both of them are Lovecraftian horror, my favorite kind of horror. Uh, if you don't know what that is, maybe buy one or perhaps two of these books and check it out and see what it, all that means. I would greatly appreciate it, and hopefully you would dig it. The first book is coming out from Golden Goblin Press. It is called Between Twilight and Dawn. It is Lovecraftian horror stories by a bunch of great authors that all take place, you guessed it, between twilight and dawn. So each story takes place on a single night during the nighttime when everything is uh, weird and creepy. And I was very impressed with the authors and what they sent me because none of the, none of the cliches are present here. Uh, each one took that simple present, uh, present <laughs> premise and ran with it and did great things. That Kickstarter begins May 1st. If you're interested in that, just Google Between Twilight and Dawn uh, Kickstarter and you'll find it. And then on May 2nd, another publisher, Dark Regions Press, is going to be doing a huge Cthulhu uh, slash Lovecraft Kickstarter. And by that I mean they're going to have six different books that are going to be Kickstarted all at once. Each one has some connection or relevance to Lovecraftian horror, weird fiction, the Cthulhu mythos, cosmic horror. It has many names. And one of the six is going to be one of my anthologies. That book is going to be called The Arkham Detective Agency. And not only is it a very good book by a bunch of great authors, it's a tribute anthology to the late, great C.J. Henderson. C.J. was a a great author who, for me anyways, was the first Lovecraftian stories I read where he had tough guys versus the Cthulhu monsters. And that's pretty rare 
Uh, usually the the joke in Lovecraftian horror is the people, you know, faint or go crazy or run or commit suicide or just die at the end of every story. But he had very capable characters. They're very much like noir uh, Lovecraft horror stories with returning characters. And so you could see them grow and change. And while they may save the day at the end, it always they always had to pay a price. It's like Mike Hammer versus Monsters. I met CJ, we became friends, and unfortunately, a couple years back, he passed away. This was a book I always wanted to do with him, and sadly, as is the case with many books, the publishing world can sometimes move slowly. And in this case, the book just didn't come out before CJ was gone. So I am very happy that this book is now coming out. It has four stories by C.J. himself, all dealing with what he created, the Arkham Detective Agency. And then I got some of the best writers around to play in that sandbox and write their own stories set in that world in the same vein that C.J. has done. So if you like dark, noir detective stories that deal with unspeakable cosmic horror, you're going to want to check it out. So that is uh, Between Twilight and Dawn and the Arkham Detective Agency. Give him a look if you would. It would be greatly appreciated. Sounds good, man. I'm not. I'm not big on reading books, but I, I, I will uh, help you out with the Kickstarter now. Please, I'll, I'll sit down and give him a read. <laughs> oh well, thank you. Please let me know if you or anybody else reads these. Reach out to me. Contact me. I love feedback. Uh, tell me if you liked them. Tell me if you hated them. Just you know, let me know what you think. Well, I, I watched a film that was called Monster Trucks that involved tentacles coming out of trucks. Is, is that Lovecraftian, Brian? I'm curious about that, you know. <laughs> it could be. To a lot of people, tentacles automatically equate Lovecraft, so... I always think hentai. <laughs> or hentai. <laughs> which is some cosmic horror in and of itself. <laughs> yes. It could be the cosmic shame of all things, you know. <laughs> that being a kid's movie, though. Yeah, it, it was it was more enjoyable <laughs> than I thought it was going to be, though. God damn, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed, you know. I'm ashamed of many things, just not Monster Trucks. The movie or, or the actual Monster Trucks themselves. Grave Digger! <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! <laughs> at the Georgia Dome! Or that. wherever you are. <laughs> or wherever you are. <laughs> Grave Digger may come to your town. But JJ, what do you got coming up, girl? Well... Uh, We just recorded the first part of an Alien series that we're doing on the Skeleton Crew, and that will be released on Alien Day, which is April 26th. I think it's 27. LV426. Is it 6 or 7? Whatever. Either 26 or 27. I thought it was LV426. 427, I think. Oh, is it 227? Okay. It's from that movie Um, you hate. Come on. Yeah, well, whatever. It's on Alien Day, so check that out. And then we're going to be following it up in future episodes with um, further discussion about the franchise. But this is just the first one. We have a new ABCs coming out that we just recorded, and I'll be working on it tomorrow. So hopefully it'll be out this week. And that was the letter M. And we did Magic. Did you forget uh, yours? Monkey Shines and My Little Eye. And uh, that was a really fun show. Yeah. Should be a good listen, so um, be on the lookout for that. And then, of course, 
there's always evil episodes. Uh, our latest episode was with Matt Wessel. So if you are a Matt Wessel fan from, do you mean Matt Wazell? Yeah, I don't know who Matt that guy Wazell. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a, that was a really fun episode in which we discussed a shit ton of Walking Dead <laughs> and various other things. So yeah, that's what we've pretty much been up to podcast wise lately. Fair enough. Um, first of all, I, I I'd like to thank. Yeah, it's 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 even hard to say the word thing because I'm 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 exploded with joy and gratitude for everybody who was involved in the Fleas and Flicks uh, charity auction. Um, if you gave, that's great. If you support it, that's that's awesome. I mean, yeah, that, that's I, I came I, I made a video and put it on there, and I I was trying to hold back the tears, man, because it, it, it's it's really great when you have this great family. That that's not blood, but they're their family nonetheless, and present company included. I, I love I love you guys like like you're my family, and come together and and and, and help out. And that's that's amazing because I I have extra shit for you guys to have that not necessarily can, is going to adorn my wall at any point in time, but could be something that you treasure, you know. And um, yeah, just just a big fucking thank you. These guys are awesome, you know. Um, as far as shows go, uh, Two Drink Venom Commentaries is still a thing with myself, Nudie, Suzanne, Willis, and whoever else wants to come on. Um, I, I moonlight NFW Commentaries as well on the Horophilia Network, uh, when I, when I can make it on a Tuesday night. I believe they have their Bronson thing going on right now, but they're recording, the thing they're recording right now is, uh, The Omen... One, one and two at least. I'm not sure if they're going any further than one and two, but I'd imagine that the final conflict. The final conflict is a good movie, but I don't think it'd be very, make a very good commentary. We'll, we'll see though. Um, and uh, that's 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 about it. Really, come join the Facebook group, and uh, if you guys want to give us some love there, and you know, give us some feedback. I, I love feedback. I don't get a lot of it, but that, that's fine. Much like Brian, I love feedback. But let me know if we're doing good. Let me know if we're doing bad. I'm gonna keep doing it anyway, but um, if you, if you enjoy uh, our, our style, I, I, I appreciate uh, every, every listener we have, every friend that we have, and um, it's it's I'm just I'm just elated right now because you know, I I work with good people. I, I say this all the time, but it's true every time I say it. I work with good people. Like oh that was that was a good show. Like I work with good people. They they, they make me better, and that's that's a uh, I feel like I get emotional after after every show. Because this is just something I love to do. This is like the I, Mark Ball re- recently had some bad stuff happen to him. I was like, you gotta "Get back on that horse again, man. Start back up that midnight horse show. It'll be the best therapy for you. Just just to get behind the microphone and talk to some friends about stuff you love. It and does I, do wonders. It does. And I love talking with you about stuff, even though we talk about some shitty stuff sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's about the fun we have when we talk about it. Even if something ends up being crappy, it's still going to be fun to talk about. And it's because of who I'm talking about it with. Yeah. That's what matters. Because you're talking about us are the best, Jamie, okay? The talking about us and the... thank you. Yeah. From my head brain, straight from my head brain? Yeah, straight from your head brain, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And right out my mouth hole. I, I want to kick to David Anders. I'm, I'm calling you out. You're going to come on this program, sir, because you got a, you got a new sh- new show coming up. I would love to up. have him on here. David Anders has it's, this has to be a thing. He's got a new show coming up. Was, is it called like the VD Clinic or something like the that? The VD Clinic. Yes, he's doing it with, the, with Vanessa McHenry. 
Oh, that's going to be good. I'll, li I'll listen to that all day long. Oh, my God. But congratulations to you, David. I hope Devour comes back again, because I know somebody was asking about it today. Is Devour still a thing? And I hope Yeah, it's... and we've been talking about it. Um, I, we have been doing some serious discussion behind the scenes, so hopefully something will come of that, because I miss that show like hell. Yeah, I miss it, too. Oh, incidentally, if people haven't heard the most recent released episode of ABC's, episode L, we were joined by Bo Ransdell for that one. And that was really fun. It was So good. I highly recommend that. It was very good. I, I listened to that one. Oh, thank you. I, I say I listened to that one because I'm behind on every podcast I listen to right now, so... I listened to that one, and I think well, I A, thank B, you. I thank you for taking the time. I think A, B, and C as well, but I, I'm a little behind past that. I think you guys did Jug Face once, and I really want to listen to that episode for sure. Yes, we did. Yes, I, we did. That's a film that, that I've seen. It, it, they were pushing it at Flashback Weekend, the filmmakers, and I got to see it on, on the big screen. So that, that made me... It, I, I liked it. I, I, I liked it. Yes, indeed. Well, here's a spoiler. It was my pick. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good stuff. But, so go um, listen to it. I will, I, will, <laughs> I will have to go listen to it, yes. You know, fit, fit it into that busy schedule. No, my, my schedule's not that busy. I just get tired. And I'm, I apologize for the, the, the infrequency <laughs> I of shows. That. The infrequency <laughs> of shows. I, I apologize for that. Um, but next, I don't know what we're doing next. If we're going to have X or we're not going to have X, we'll, we'll see We'll see how it goes. He's, uh, because his daughter's getting married, I know him and him and, uh, the cootie are going to go camping or something for a few days in there just to, to level off all this wedding drama that they've been having because it's been some high drama i guess when you got a i, I wouldn't call rihanna rihanna a, a bridezilla but i'm sure she's she's 21 she's young she wants to have it as perfect as possible i'm sure within their means and uh yeah <laughs> they get married this thursday on them so i'm so excited she's a good kid and so is brady so young love good, i'm happy for them I couldn't tell you what I was doing at 21 because it, it's all clouded with, with bong resin and, and hops. Because <laughs> I used to do a lot of a lot of bad things back in my early 20s, and I regret nothing. Well, I that's, hear that. That's when you're supposed to do stupid things. Yes. Damn straight. But they're very mature for their ages, and I'm glad. I'm glad for them. I'll say it again. It's like the fourth time I mentioned their wedding on the show because X is my brother, and that that's uh. So that's that's like my my niece, if you will. This is Rhiannon girl and his very hairy, very not weird. He's he's eccentric son Bishop, who was named after a character from that 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 from a film that Jamie hates. But uh, th there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave it at that, and uh, we'll see you guys all next time on the Cine Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time.